Flyover Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From this undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. It's, um, well, it's easier to be a parent this morning. It's easier to be a dad. It's easier, it's easier to tell your kids character matters. It matters. Tell them the truth matters. Being a good person matters. And it's easier for a whole lot of people. If you're Muslim in this country, you, you, you don't have to worry if the president doesn't want you here. If you're an immigrant, you don't have to worry if the president's going to be happier to have babies snatched away or send, send dreamers back for no reason. This is vindication for a lot of people who have really suffered. You know, the, the, I can't breathe. You know, that wasn't just George Floyd. Floyd, that's a lot of people have felt that they couldn't breathe. Every day you're waking up and you're getting these tweets and you just don't know, and you're going to the store, and, and people who have been afraid to show their racism are getting nastier and nastier to you, and you're worried about your kids, and you're worried about your sister. And, and can she just go to Walmart and, and get back into the, her car without somebody saying something to her? And, 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 and you spent so much of your life energy just trying to hold it together. And this is a big deal for us just to be able to get some peace and, 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 and have a chance for, for, for a reset. And, and the character of the country matters. And, 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 and being a good man matters. I, you know, I just want my son to, to look at this. Look at this. You know, it's easy to, to, to do it the, the cheap way and, 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 and get away with stuff. But it comes back around. It comes back around. And this is a good day for this country. I, I'm sorry for the people who lost. Uh, for them, it's not a good day. But for a whole lot of people, it's a good day. Glory. And welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast. It is the 8th of November, year of our Lord, 2020. And yeah, that's just beautiful. I had to start with Van Jones. How could you not start with Van Jones? Now he's crying. These fucking people. Sweet God. So um, I'm going to be yelling a lot less on this podcast. The mic's a little close, so I hope it's not too loud. And I hope the pop filter works, but it is uh, 2.30 in the morning, uh, central time. And I it's a funny story, so I want to say something funny before we get into our show, which goes without saying. Uh, the election's been called. We're going to cover a little bit of the media begging for conceding. And then the gloating... And a flashback to what it was like in 2016 and people in the streets because COVID just doesn't exist anymore. And a bunch of ugly and some violence and a little bit of fraud section. I'm going to cover it. A lot of people don't believe it's there, but there's just some weird shit. So we're going to cover that today. It's not going to be a very long podcast. But I got up because, you know, I'm 50 something and I had to pee. It happens. Somewhere between midnight and 3 a.m. I'm going to go pee. And we did go to bed early last night. It was like 8.15. We fell asleep. 
my little dog didn't recognize me coming back in the room because I usually wake them all up. So I went to the main bathroom and I scared the living shit out of my wife. I mean, where she was crying because they didn't hear me get out of bed and there was a little nightlight and I guess I looked like the devil. So, um, after that, I could not go back to sleep. I felt horrible. Um, I just, just felt horrible. So that's why I'm up at two thirty in the morning. Secondly, out of being just kind of facetious in the background, you, you know, you, you're hearing right now the Chinese national anthem. So let's listen to it for a while because technically this is now our new national anthem. Because the fascists have taken over and the socialists and Politico says Joe Biden has won the White House toppling Donald Trump after four upheaval years. It just, they got to go with the evil years. It's so evil. So, we'll let it finish. Yeah, China won. China won this one. You got a president embroiled in Chinese bullshit. We didn't even investigate it. So it, it's it's good shit. So before I, you know, I had so many different angles to start this off. Um, of course, you know, conservatives are going to talk about fraud. And right now, the, the, the big fire up, you know, this is NPR. Uh, President Trump is refusing to concede the 2020 election, falsely claiming the election is far from over. The AP and networks only call a race when they determine the trailing candidate has no possible victory. Brandon Morris. Nope, nothing has been called. Do not believe the MSM. Why is Fox News calling Biden? Media trolling does not end the election, not by a long shot. The media doesn't decide when elections are over. They don't believe that. Of course, they truly believe that they are... The arbiters, the New York Times tweeted it. They truly believe they call elections and they're so powerful. And we'll see in our ugly, all the ugly things these fucking media people said. But but I want to remind people before we go crazy. This is what the media is harping on about how it's so presidential Joe Biden, so presidential for saying this. I'm not here to declare that we've won, but I am here to report when the count is finished, we believe we will be the winners. We've had a hard campaigns before. We've faced hard times before. So once this election is finalized and behind us, it'll be time for us to do what we've always done as Americans. Put the harsh rhetoric of the campaign behind us, to lower the temperature, to see each other again, to listen to one another, to, to hear each other again, and respect and care for one another, to unite, to heal, to come together as a nation. I know this won't be easy. I'm not naive. Neither of us are. I know how deep and hard the opposing views are in our country on so many things. But I also know this as well, 
To make progress, we have to stop treating our opponents as enemies. We are not enemies. What brings us together as Americans is so much stronger than anything that can tear us apart. So let me be clear. I, we are campaigning as Democrats, but I will govern as an American president. Now, I just laugh at that on a level I can't even, I don't have an evil enough laugh to laugh at that statement. That man himself called everybody voting for Trump fucking racist. He told black people if they vote for Trump, they're not black. And I want to way back, doodly-doo, doodly-doo, to 2016. This was an election night 2016, which, although narrow in states, was a decisive election, not this sawed-off bullshit we had now where we had a paper count, a bunch of shit to win, because that's how we set up to win. The Democrats did in every swing state, state, including software that seems to be pretty glitchy only for Democrats, which we'll talk about today and probably why Trump isn't conceding because it's on Twitter and the media see it, but they're not going to admit it. Um, But this is what we had for election night 2016. Donald Trump, just last week, he confirmed to the National Review that he is again considering a run in 2016. Donald Trump has been saying that he will run for president as a Republican, which is surprising since I just assumed he was running as a joke. <laughs> Is that people think that Donald Trump is a clown? Do- Donald Donald Trump is a clown. I mean, does anybody seriously think that Donald Trump is serious about running for president? Donald Trump, you know, he's a clown. The likely moderator, yeah. but parents apparently believes that Donald Trump is a clown. Which Republican candidate has the best chance of winning the general election? Of the declared ones, right now, Donald Trump. <laughs> President Obama will go down as perhaps the worst president in the history of the United States, exclamation point, at real Donald Trump. Well, at real Donald Trump, at least I will go down as a president. So basically, this is the beginning of the end for Trump. The beginning of the end. The beginning of the end is probably starting of the beginning of the end for, for Donald Trump. Donald, uh, you're not going to be able to insult your way to the presidency. The strongest person usually isn't the loudest one in the room. So right now we have Hillary's about a 75 or an 80 percent favorite. We have different versions of the forecast you can look at. Paul has Hillary Clinton up by double digits nationally, 12 points, 50 to 38, four-way race. Clinton leading in Florida, Clinton leading in North Carolina, Clinton leading in Ohio, Clinton leading in Nevada. I could go on and on and on. Uh, I continue to believe Mr. Trump will not be president. And so, right now, Mr. Trump, to answer your call for political honesty, I just want to say, you're not going to be president, all right? It's been fun. It's been great. I love you. But, but, but come on, come on, buddy. 
We are a major projection right now. Donald Trump will take Ohio. That's the end project. Donald Trump will carry the state of Florida. Huge win for Donald Trump. Donald Trump, while we project, will win in Kentucky, in Indiana, with its 11 electoral votes. West Virginia, Florida, Tennessee, Mississippi, South Carolina, Alabama, North Dakota, uh, with its three electoral votes, and South Dakota, Texas, Arkansas, Louisiana, the state of Montana, North Carolina, Georgia, Iowa, Utah, Wisconsin, Arizona, Kansas, with its six electoral votes, Nebraska with its five electoral votes, and Wyoming with its three electoral votes. Sorry to keep you waiting, complicated business. A lot of people have laughed at me over the years. Now they're not laughing so much, I'll tell you. This is a sweep. Dana, you you want it to be precise, so go ahead. That's right. Uh, CNN can report that Hillary Clinton has called Donald Trump to concede the race. She has called Donald Trump to say that she will not be president, and uh, I'm not sure the exact words, but probably to congratulate uh, President-elect Donald Trump. So that has happened in the last few moments. President-elect Donald Trump, if Hillary Clinton has conceded, that uh, that is dramatic. That is a dramatic development, Dana. Uh, and to hear the words president-elect, we haven't yet projected that, but Hillary Clinton, uh, what you're saying, has now made a formal telephone call to Donald Trump to concede. Is that right? That's correct. I'm talking to a source uh, who was there for it and, and telling me that 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 conversation did happen. Our Sam Feist is also hearing from a different source that that conversation did happen. So uh, Hillary Clinton has made it very clear to her opponent that she believes that he will be the next president of the United States and not her. The rest is in New York City, but they're pretty close together. The Associated Press is calling Wisconsin, so that puts him over the top. Donald Trump is the next president of the United States. We can project it on the basis of an Associated Press report that Donald Trump will win the state of Wisconsin. That is 10 more electoral votes. 269, 279, you need 270 to be president. Our next president will be Donald Trump. Wow. So. Wow. Yeah, I mean, it's just you just have to you, you have to yeah. you know, take a minute, breath. You just have to take a breath and say wow, and and to say yeah. this is really and truly the most unbelievable thing that any of us have seen in our lifetimes. To do, but this is the night for Donald Trump. This is the night. This is his triumph. He is now going to be the 45th president of the United States. He has pulled off something that no one believed he could do. It certainly looked like it wasn't possible. Perhaps only he believed it was possible. There you see it on the board right there. 278 electoral votes already, more than enough to win the presidency of the United States. He has received a phone call from Hillary Clinton. He will be the next president. The most stunning upset in American political history. El presidente de los Estados Unidos. Y hay, hay que felicitar. Es el presidente electo de los Estados Unidos. Perdón. Yo creo que todo hay que reconocer, este es un momento histórico en la democracia, por esto lo celebramos, no es una dictadura, a Donald Trump hay que unificarse ahora, el, el, el pueblo americano, que él va a ser el presidente por los próximos cuatro años. Ojalá él nos pueda demostrar, por lo menos a mí, que yo pensé que no iba a ser un trabajo adecuado como presidente, que estuve tan equivocado en eso como... Raunchy election of 2016 now comes to a peaceful, if improbable, end. 70-year-old Donald J. Trump will be sworn in as the 45th president of the United States on January the 20th. 
the Trump presidency begins in 72 days, fueled by what we know now is record turnout. For Donald Trump this evening, 228-209. I will say, though, that I do think that this, this is a moment... Um, however you feel about this election, to keep in your heart some of the communities that are not represented here on this set who have been directly threatened by Donald Trump in a way that nobody in this kind of position of power has ever threatened groups of Americans before. And Muslim Americans and Latino Americans and immigrants documented and otherwise right now are in fear for what the country just did and for what our country means, not just what Trump will do, but what it means that our country just endorsed him after what he threatened uh, against those parts of our fabric. And that's a responsibility we have on all of us now, regardless of what Trump does with this power that he's just been given. Uh, Rachel, America is crying tonight. I'm not sure how much of America, but a very, very significant portion. And I mean literally crying. Uh, I, I've gotten texts from a college campus about a dorm that's just in tears. Uh, I know of another that I'm hearing from uh, elsewhere. Uh, and and the, some of the people you were just talking about are crying from California to Massachusetts about this. This is a sad it is a, a mourning moment for, for those people, uh, and it is, it is a moment filled with fear, filled with fear. And Donald Trump, thankfully, I don't think instilled any more fear tonight in his speech. It wasn't one of those speeches that had that kind of stuff in it. But he has a job to do. What we saw happen in the stock market is happening in the hearts of Americans. They are afraid. Donald Trump has to address that. Steve? He's no longer the celebrity apprentice guy, and he's no longer the bombastic, nonsense-spewing presidential nominee. He is the president-elect of the United States with all the awesome powers and responsibilities you know, that will come with that office. And you know, we've seen a side of him in this campaign that gives cause to worry gravely, uh, but now maybe we'll see another side of Donald J. Trump as he gets ready to assume this office, and we just have to hope that that's the case. Eugene? Some of his supporters, certainly not all the people who voted for him, but, but some, uh, took Donald Trump and what he was saying as uh, a license uh, to bigot for bigotry. I mean, they, 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 they saw him providing an umbrella under which they could be as racist as they wanted to be. I mean, just to be perfectly blunt. He needs to cut that out, and he needs to cut that out now. I was Some big news here, Megan. Huge news, uh, actually. The AP now projecting that Donald Trump has won the state of Pennsylvania. That is uh, the race, frankly. Uh, there is no path forward for Hillary Clinton. If this, uh, we've just seen that Pennsylvania has been called by AP. I think for me, this is one of the most stunning results of the night. You're awake, by the way. You're not having a terrible, terrible dream. Also, you're not dead and you haven't gone to hell. This is your life now. This is our election now. This is us. This is our country. I mean, folks, there was no speech for Donald Trump. We didn't stop football games for Donald Trump. We stayed just like that for four years. And when we really get into the ugly today, the things that were said, the turtle comment by Anderson Cooper was tame compared to what people said. I mean, I'm going to play some in a bit, but it isn't even the bad stuff. But they literally 
acted like fools. And they didn't stop acting like fools because they didn't have to. Their contempt for him and the contempt for America, the 71 million people. Yeah, the electoral vote went to him by, what, 2, 3 million votes. But by no means are they a mandate. They're just not. Here's Costa and Cuomo spanking the Donald took. I think he said Donald, not the president. And Acosta, are you a poor loser? What do we know? Already, Joe Biden has received more votes than anybody else ever for president of the United States. Why? Uh, Because this is a national change moment that is going on on both sides. Uh, We have not seen passions like this, a sense of purpose like this, money like this, organization like this, structure like this. So you got the most out of it. The biggest reason has to be you, your friends, your family, the people in your communities. You came out in a way that certainly defied my patients and many of the experts. You blew away turnout models. Amazing. Huge rejection for Donald Trump. Nobody has ever gotten the spanking that he is getting in the general right now. Thank you very much. I mean, for fuck's sake, boys and girls. For fuck's sake. Could you have done that for Obama? I mean, there's whole sections today, you know, of, of they're in the streets in front of the White House trolling. It was like a block party, CBS said last night. Not one time during that did they say super spreader. Yet just two days ago when people were saying count the vote, the media was talking about super spreader and COVID and a threat for democracy. Here's what Schumer said. So once again, since we're not supposed to be enemies, here's Schumer. I wish we weren't wearing masks so we could see how exciting it is to come before you today with Joe Biden having the tremendous mandate uh, that he has and that uh, pretty soon the hyphen will be gone from vice president to president-elect Joe Biden. Uh, It's a happy day for our country because Joe Biden is a unifier, because he is determined to bring people together because he respects all points of view. And as he has said, I ran as a Democrat, I'll govern as president for all of the people, whether they voted for me or not. Now we take Georgia, and then we change the world. Now we take Georgia, and then we change America. Here's just a short taste. And in here, a guy actually says, he says, well, let me see if I can find that soundbite because I can't find it now. But there's literally a guy saying, I'll play that. They are our enemies. I, I want to come to you on what this election says to you about the conversation we have had day after day after day about the vastness of this president's um sort of atrocities in terms of his disdain for the office he holds and the way he has 
um, treated people uh, who he views as not his people. Um, and, and often they are um, people, voiceless people, migrants that come here, asylum seekers that come here, um, African-American men and women calling for a racial reckoning. I mean, what does the election result say to you about the country's disposition around all those issues? Well, it says a couple of things. I mean, I mean, one, Trump's reaction and saying that he's going to run to the Supreme Court, which is essentially the equivalent of like, I'm going to call the manager because I can get what I wanted, um, shows his disdain for all people. Right. I mean, because we have to be clear, Donald Trump doesn't seem to like anybody. Uh, he may have a particular disdain for black people. He may have a particular disdain for for children at the border. But remember, this is a guy who left his own supporters out in the middle of a tarmac and hopped on a plane. There is nobody who Donald Trump likes. I don't even think he likes his kids. So the, the contrast that we're seeing here is that America, by the slightest of disturbing margins, decided they wanted to pick someone who doesn't actively dislike the people who gave him the job. I am disturbed by the fact that not enough Americans made that decision. I'm disturbed by the fact that you have large numbers of people who are like, yeah, a guy who leaves people out in the cold and quarter of a million people die of COVID and harasses women and everything else like that. I want a little bit more of that, and I don't really know if I wanted the other guy. So this, this election actually shows me a lot of really disturbing things about this country racially, very disturbing things about this country from a gender standpoint. And I have to say this, because if Joe Biden becomes president of the United States, and I hope that he does, because he is not a dictator in the making, and he seems to be a decent guy, I will immediately turn around my hat and be excruciatingly critical of him, because you cannot come into this White House with the idea that these people aren't the enemy. They are. The people chasing the Biden-Harris truck out of Texas, they are the enemies of democracy. The people right now attacking vote counters in Detroit, they are the enemy. Kyle Rittenhouse is the enemy. Mitch McConnell is the enemy. And if there's one thing that Democrats should have finally figured out in this campaign, you can't treat the Republican Party with kid gloves because they won't treat you that way. I hope Joe Biden just gave this speech to sound nice because everything isn't locked down yet. Maybe Senator Harris will have this idea should she become VP. But they have to go into this realizing they're in a war. The war for the soul of America will not end once he's inaugurated. And I hope he remembers that. Jake Tapper was so fucking bad. Jane Seltzer, it must be said to paraphrase President Ford for tens of American Americans, our long national nightmare is over. Fuck it, I'm just going to play it now. He even called Trump's kids spawns. That about what you see on Fox when you have every right to be, you should check out the, the, uh, the Twitter feed of the president's spawn. Because it is like rantings in cram by somebody having an LSD trip. I mean, it is somebody, these are, these are claims that are just so wild um, that they wouldn't even make, forget Fox, they wouldn't even make Fox business where, you know, where all sorts of facts go meanwhile, to die. Meanwhile, um, what, what Jeff Zeleny just CNN projects Joe Biden will become the 46th president of the United States. And Jake, he is now president-elect Joe Biden. What a moment in history. We have all been waiting on the edges of our seats since Tuesday. It is the end, the end of a tumultuous presidency, a time of some accomplishments, no question, a time where many Americans throughout the country and <clears throat> in shuttered steel towns and in rural America 
They felt, for the first time, they felt heard, which is important, but it is also, Wolf, it has also been a time of, of extreme divisions, many of the divisions caused and exacerbated by President Trump himself. It's been a time of several significant and utterly avoidable failures, most tragically, of course, the unwillingness to respect facts and science and do everything that could be done to save lives during a pandemic. It has been a time where truth and fact were treated with disdain. It is a time of cruelty where official inhumanity, such as child separation, became the official shameful policy of the United States. But now the Trump presidency is coming to an end, to an end, with so many squandered opportunities and ruined potential, but also an era of just plain meanness. It must be said, to paraphrase President Ford, for tens of millions of our fellow Americans, their long national nightmare is over. <clears throat> it's, um... Well, it's easier to be a parent this morning. It's easier to be a dad. It's easier to, it's easier to tell your kids character matters. It matters. Telling the truth matters. Being a good person matters. And it's easier for a whole lot of people. If you're Muslim in this country, you, you, you don't have to worry if the president doesn't want you here. If you're an immigrant, you don't have to worry if the president's going to be happier to have babies snatched away or send dreamers back for no reason. It's a vindication for a lot of people who have really suffered. You know, the, the, I can't breathe. You know, that wasn't just George Floyd. That was a lot of people that felt that they couldn't breathe. Every day you're waking up and you're getting these tweets and you just don't know, and you're going to the store, and, and people who have been afraid to show their racism are getting nastier and nastier to you, and you're worried about your kids, and you're worried about your sister. And, and can she just go to Walmart and, and get back into the, her car without somebody saying something to her? And, 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 and you spent so much of your life energy just trying to hold it together. And this is a big deal for us just to be able to get some peace and, 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 and have a chance for, for, for a reset. And, and the character of the country matters. And, 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 and being a good man matters. I, you know, I just want my sons to, to look at this. Look at this. You know, it's easy to, to, to do it the, the cheap way and, 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 and get away with stuff, but it comes back around. It comes back around. And it's a good day for this country. I, I'm sorry for the people who lost. I, for them, it's not a good day. But for a whole lot of people, it's a good day. Unplayed was Schumer on this thread. This is a journalist putting it out like it's great. Let's send Trump back to Florida. We don't want him in New York. Yashar Ali, he's too close to people to take his mask off. Leaves the COVID stuff's over anymore. Is coronavirus gone, people are saying? I mean, everybody was saying that. Britt Hume, Caitlin Collins, the crowd outside the White House celebrating Joe Biden's projected victories, blaring YMCA, the song the president closed out his latest rallies with. Everybody, is the pandemic over? Britt Hume, if this is okay because people are masked, why is it okay to fans mask in stadiums this fall? Other people, why is it okay to or not to be able to protest lockdowns and 
the recounts, uh, 2A rights. So you don't get to put it back in the bottle. This is the Democrat thing that is why I'm not a Democrat as an independent and why I've had problems since Obama. They think they can get up there and give a speech. Well, we said it, now it's their fault. But for five years, you have demeaned everybody. You demeaned this president. You said he was illegitimate. You spent four years trying to make him illegitimate. You pushed a bogus impeachment basically on what your candidate who just got elected did. You have been petty. Election night, you guys cried in 2016. And unlike any other time, it's just not the candidate. You went after the people. You went after Christians, gun owners, Southerners, Jeep owners. I mean, fuck. We have covered in these five years every possible angle to say people are racist. And then yesterday I go to Circle Clay to K to get some Copenhagen and some monsters. We decided to have some Zaxby's chicken sandwiches. But the Zaxby line was screwed up, so we went to Pie Pie. And it was just me. I went out to grab them for the wife. And I'm in talking to the lady, and the lady goes, you look like you're in a bad mood. Everybody's in a bad mood. And I know this person. I talk to her every morning that I go in during the lockdown. About every three days, I'd go in and get some donuts and a soda for the wife as a treat. And this place was really clean, so that's why I kept going. And I go, yeah, it's the election. I think we kind of lost America because if we lose the Senate, it's going to be one-party rule forever. She goes, yeah, it really kind of bothers me. And out of nowhere, some gay dude, six feet away, just starts talking shit. This is a great day for America. We're not going to have any more racists. And I was just going to ignore him because we were talking, but he kept on getting louder. So I pivoted removed my mask, and I articulated in a loud tone, who are you to call me a racist because I voted against socialism and one-party rule? Who are you to call anybody a racist? Your candidate said, you ain't black unless you vote for me, and who the fuck invited you to speak? He went to say something, and I go, you shut your fucking mouth. That's what's wrong with this country. It's not the mega people voting for Trump and having little Trump flags and all that shit. It's you people canceling people, telling people what to think, eat, drive, what kind of house to buy. You're the fascist, you fucking prick. End quote. And he walked out of the store. I did that not because I was in a bad mood, but I'm done with it. I'm done with the condescending, educated fucking white people talking off their nose. If you can tell me you voted for Biden for a reason, I totally respect you. If you can articulate to me why voting for Biden when he's going to enact a one-party rule is good for America... I could respect you, but 73, 74 million people voted because they hated Trump. And if I'm to believe these numbers, they only voted for Biden, not the down ticket or anything. 
And that is most sawed-off shit I've ever heard. That, to me, is more un-American than voting for a person who's perceived racist because you're voting against the policies that will alter America forever. Boston, New York doesn't agree with me. I doubt he's still listening because he's too moderate, and I guess my show's too crazy for him. But... I live by the Dan Crenshaw rule. I've lived by it for five years on the show. I believe what they're saying. Because the difference between the left and the right is they punish people, they wield power, and they push fucking dogma. Republicans are scared to do shit. All they're going to do is 95 ACA repeals and let's do the Born Alive Act and you know it's not going to pass. But let's just do it anyway. But you don't get to put this back in the bottle. You broke the bottle. The media broke the bottle. The things you're going to hear today, once again, are like if this was a college course, I would just submit these sound bites and I get an A plus and my doctorate. Because they are so part of this process of electing Democrats. There is no veneer anymore. I mean... We played the what happened. Here, here's some of the stuff. CNN celebrates Biden victory for decency. Cheers massive packed crowds. I'm not playing the sound bites. Joe Biden should inspire us to never give up on our dreams. It was Tapper. Uh, we have a lot of Tapper today. Aren't these crowds remarkable? America is letting steam out of the teapot. Gloria Bolger. I thought you can't get in crowds. We elected Biden because of COVID. That's what you said. COVID's out of control. Grandma's dying. It's Donald Trump's fault. Phillips celebrates the cathartic moment for millions of America. You're going to hear that a lot when we get to the media section. Biden won race with decency and Harris embodies good extreme on the pendulum. That same person, her name is... uh, I guess her name's Phillips. This is the other bullshit she said. Can I just say, for black women, this has been um, really a proving moment for their political strength in carrying Joe Biden to the Democratic nomination <laughs> through the primary. Mm-hmm. Black women did that. And I think seeing a black woman on the ticket with Joe Biden on the cusp of this moment, I think, is something that will go down in history because uh, this has never happened before. And not only would black women put Joe Biden in the White House, but they would also put a black woman in the White House as well. And that is the sort of historical poetry that I think we will live with for a long time, in addition to the fact that Donald Trump's political career began with the racist birther lie. It may very well end with a black woman in the White House. It's, well it's a lovely... I, th- th- this is what's so funny about it. I, I would understand completely if it was Donald Trump who wanted one party w- rule forever. Get liberals out of politics. Don't give them representation. That would make all... just make a bunch of sense to me. But you're talking about a a basic 
He's just a bad person. Thankful more people voted for their lives to throw Trump out. Phillips again. Media heard Trump voters after 2016 false, so we must listen to Biden voters. They actually said that. You know, I've been sitting here, I'm thinking about a little bit about a four years ago and the reaction four years ago to President Trump being elected was that we need to listen to the people who elected him. I think the lesson is today that we need to listen to the people who just elected Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. We've been listening to them for four fucking years. That's all you put on the media. That's all you write because you're them. You, you are those people. Jake Tapper. We'll see how much congressional Republicans are willing to meet the president-elect Biden and Vice President Harris on the field of decency and normalcy. It's not just President Trump that has been eroding norms of decency, and he's had a lot of help from a lot of people. We'll see whether or not they want to come back to planet Earth and be good boys and girls and be decent and normal and adhere to facts and truth. Is that what a journalist says? Anybody. Giddy Tapper, Baskin, fellow Philadelphians celebrating Biden's win. Marveling at Biden driving rallies. Hawking is the sound of new applause. Glad we'll have a president who will be respecting norms and institution. Tapper insists most Republicans hurled vile, misogynistic, sexic tropes at Kamala Harris. Name one. Far left groups, people celebrating are a beautiful part of the resistance. CNN or Swoon pressure valve was released with role model. They're not socially distanced, but it's okay. They have masks. I want to say as we watch these scenes, pardon me, we're also seeing people wearing masks. Here's the rest of CNN, pre and after. It was quite a contrast from what we heard from President Trump yesterday, if that's when it was. Uh, President Trump's address was about him. It was about his anger, it was about his grievance, it was about his desire to stay in power. Uh, we just heard uh, a different message. And he talked about how the nation needs to come together, that people might be opponents, but they are not enemies. What was so striking was how big the speech was. Big and all-encompassing and not just about the specifics about coronavirus and other things that he wants to do, which are very important, but about democracy and about coming together and about the need for a more perfect union. I mean, it was a, a soaring speech as as soaring as we have heard from Joe Biden, maybe since his, his Gettysburg speech uh, during the campaign. Uh, but he has made the pivot from candidate to president-elect rhetorically. I was I was struck by exactly that. He said, the purpose of our politics isn't total unrelenting warfare. It was not about him. It was about the country and about what he's going to do. It was interesting to hear Dennis say that she felt it was a soaring address. One of the things I was thinking is just how kind of normal and traditionally presidential uh, a speech it was, ran some seven minutes or or, so. And perhaps that sounds particularly soaring given what we have become used to uh, over the last four years, just in in, uh, the kind of remarks we're used to hearing. So uh, I also thought it was interesting that he both talked about the, the made sure to talk about the human uh, uh, losses, the, the the pain that exists out there. When you think about Donald Trump's speech last night, it was all about challenging the legitimacy of the process, undermining democracy, you know, charging falsely that, you know, votes weren't counted, et cetera, et cetera. 
that should, and that the votes should stop being counted. Biden tonight spoke about the legitimacy of democracy and applauded democracy and praised the way it works. And he was optimistic. He was not full of grievance. This wasn't about me, me, me. It was about America, 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 and being president of all Americans. And when I listened to it, I thought, okay, this is a speech that was kind of written by professionals who understand what it's like to be a gracious winner and to behave that way. I'm happy. I'm just going to say, <laughs> I'm happy. I like the speech. I like the empathy. I like the optimism. I, I like it. It's just good. And, you know, with, he, this guy's going to need a lot of help. Okay, if he wants to do what he's talking about, if he wants to bring people together, he's going to need a lot of help. And he's asking for it, and he's worthy of it. Uh, Winston Churchill says, deserve victory. That's a man that deserves the help of a nation to get together. I think that there's a lot of uh, pent-up desire for Democrats to feel validated, to not feel like they're going to be pushed aside in the interest of uh, trying to extend an olive branch mm. uh, to, pe to bad faith actors, frankly. And so uh, this is the balancing act from Joe, that Joe Biden's going to need to do tonight. Mm -hmm. It's a combination of the two things. Yes, reach out the hand, but also a validation for his own party that got him here, that their values are going to be taken to the White House, that they are uh, not going to be sort of pushed aside just for the purposes of saying that you want to be bipartisan. There's to have the first woman of color vice president in the history of the United States. And what a remarkable moment that will be should we get there. And we think we will. Yeah, it, it will be. I mean, I think uh, even that on a day like today, if Joe Biden ends up being able to give that speech and Kamala Harris, we're hearing, will also speak tonight as well, uh, is what they're planning. That's going to be a historic moment. Um, it is its own glass ceiling moment. Mm -hmm. I mean, Hillary Clinton was not successful in becoming president of the United States, but there has never been a woman vice president of the United States. There's never been a person of color as vice president of the United States. Uh, it's a huge glass ceiling moment for women and for black women and for South Asian women. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and, you know, I, we do have to take a moment and just let that sink in because there's a lot of partisan bickering going on. But uh, in a normal world in which we are not uh, at each other's throats politically uh, and in the past in this country, we have allowed those moments to be recognized and to be celebrated. What a sad night for the United States of America to hear their president say that, to falsely accuse people of trying to steal the election, to, to, to try to attack democracy that way with this feast of, of falsehoods. It's not true. It's ugly. It's frankly pathetic. This isn't just partisan. This isn't just dangerous. It's nonsensical. It's illogical. It, it, it is sad. I mean, I, I'm not an emotional person, and I'm having trouble kind of keeping it together after listening to the yeah. president of the United States saying what he just said. He, the, this president clearly knows that this is not going to end well for him. He's trying to take yep. the voting system down with him, the democratic process down with him. He and mostly his children on, on Twitter are sowing the seeds of doubt in democracy in a way 
that is um, it is going to make it very hard for his party, frankly, to come back from. It's time for some Republican lawmakers to find their spine and talk to the president about what he needs to do for the good of the country. He talked about things that he'd seen on the Internet. That is the president of the United States. That is the most powerful person in the world. And we see him like an obese turtle on his back, flailing in the hot sun, realizing his time is over. You know, I I think that the world is watching, and they're watching an American president undermine democracy in the United States. It's painful to those of us who love America. It is painful and dangerous. I mean, Anderson, I think what we listened to just a few moments ago from the president, it sounded an awful like an attack on American democracy. And President Trump fired the first shot in this attack on our democracy. Jake Tapper was so fucking bad. Jane Seltzer, it must be said to paraphrase President Ford for tens of American-Americans, our long national nightmare is over. Fuck it, I'm just going to play it now. He even called Trump's kids spawns. That about what you see on Fox, when you have every right to be, you should check out the the uh, the Twitter feed of the president's spawn because it is like rantings in cram by somebody having an LSD trip. I mean, it is somebody these are these are claims that are just so wild um, that they wouldn't even make forget Fox. They wouldn't even make Fox business where you know where all sorts of facts go meanwhile, to die. Meanwhile, um, what what Jeff Zeleny just. CNN projects Joe Biden will become the 46th president of the United States. And Jake, he is now president-elect Joe Biden. What a moment in history. We have all been waiting on the edges of our seats since Tuesday. It is the end, the end of a tumultuous presidency, a time of some accomplishments, no question, a time where many Americans throughout the country in, in shuttered steel towns and in rural America, they felt for the first time, they felt heard, which is important, but it is also, Wolf, it has also been a time of, of extreme divisions. Many of the divisions caused and exacerbated by President Trump himself. It's been a time of several significant and utterly avoidable failures, most tragically, of course, the unwillingness to respect facts and science and do everything that could be done to save lives during a pandemic. It has been a time where truth and fact We're treated with disdain. It is a time of cruelty where official inhumanity, such as child separation, became the official shameful policy of the United States. But now the Trump presidency is coming to an end, to an end, with so many squandered opportunities and ruined potential, but also an era of just plain meanness. It must be said, to paraphrase President Ford, for tens of millions of our fellow Americans, their long national nightmare is over. <clears throat> it's, um, well, it's easier to be a parent this morning. It's easier to be a dad. It's easier to, it's easier to tell your kids character matters. It matters. Telling the truth matters. Being a good person matters. And it's easier for a whole lot of people. If you're Muslim in this country, you, you, you don't have to worry if the president doesn't want you here. If you're an immigrant, you don't have to worry if the president's going to be happier to have 
baby snatched away or sent, sent dreamers back for no reason. It's a vindication for a lot of people who have really suffered. You know, the, the, I can't breathe. You know, that wasn't just George Floyd. That was a lot of people that felt that they couldn't breathe. Every day you're waking up and you're getting these tweets and you just don't know, and you're going to the store, and, and people who have been afraid to show their racism are getting nastier and nastier to you, and you're worried about your kids, and you're worried about your sister. And, and can she just go to Walmart and, and get back into the, her car without somebody saying something to her? And, 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 and you spent so much of your life energy just trying to hold it together. And this is a big deal for us just to be able to get some peace and, 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 and have a chance for, for, for a reset. And, and the character of the country matters. And, 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 and being a good man matters. I, you know, I just want my sons to, to look at this. Look at this. You know, it's easy to, to, to do it the, the cheap way and, 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 and get away with stuff, but it comes back around. It comes back around, and it's a good day for this country. I, I'm sorry for the people who lost. Uh, for them, it's not a good day, but for a whole lot of people, it's a good day. They're part of it, and they didn't listen to anybody. They'll listen to nobody off this. People's response, here's Tapper doing his best Gerald Ford impression. Performing the news. What cabinet position is Jake trying for? That's the question I'm asking. But don't come to me with, and and I'm not saying I'm doing it. I'm just saying, don't come out and say, we need to listen to the Biden voters when 71 million people voted against this sorry fucking ass. And that we all need not to look each other's enemies. WAPO. Trumpism is a lifestyle disease chronic in America. Lisa Grande, these people have nothing in their lives, no money and no desire to travel and see the world. They're racist and scared of venturing away from safety. We have to change this. Education should be affordable. Families need to go on vacation every year or two. Families need to raise. Lord Winstone, that's a magnificent field of straw men you set out. Families, that is a constructive patriarchy and white supremacy. BLM wants to get rid of it. And then people talking up to their betters. My family traveled to Europe every summer. I vote for Biden. I've been to five different fucking countries. I have a fucking master's degree. I mean, who are these people? Seriously, where have they been at? I mean, these are the same people telling us we all need to just get in line and listen. Here's it back to back. Blue Wave. These are just a few of the sound bites that this was going to be a landslide election and a repudiation of Trump nation. Those are the words. That's not Trump. That's anybody that voted for Trump. And then the media reality. Joe Biden is up 12 points, a 12 point national lead sets the table for a potential blue wave. President Trump is predicting a red wave next Tuesday, but looking at the latest poll numbers, he may be getting the color wrong. Joe Biden has the biggest, most durable and broadest lead 
of any presidential candidate in the modern era. And a world where John Cornyn can lose in Texas is a world where, you know, you, you're looking, you could have a plausible conversation about Democratic landslide. More likely that there's a Joe Biden landslide than there is a, a Donald Trump victory. And, and if 10% of the Republicans who didn't like him last time, but if they flip this time, Joe Biden is going to win in a landslide. It's more likely that Biden will win a substantial, maybe a landslide victory in the Electoral College. We need to be open-minded, but that this race might not even be close. After Donald Trump loses in a landslide. I actually think Trump's going to lose in a landslide. I believe that this is going to be a landslide victory for Joe Biden. Landslide-ish? Landslide? Landslide? Oh, we're going to know the winner of this election about 10 o'clock tomorrow night. A Democratic senator, that's Amy Klobuchar, will talk with us a little bit later on about the presidential race and her party apparently falling short, way short, in its bid to control the Senate. Senator, it was not mm-hmm. a good day for the Democrats in the Senate. You know, the blue wave, you, the, the, the blue wave did not materialize. You know, the Democrats had so many chances in the Senate. Is this a wake-up call for your party? What happened? Well, look, Nicole, after every election, a person in my shoes has to step back and think about what we were missing and what went wrong in the analysis to have uh, some of our assumptions kind of upended. And I think one that's important here is that the president's messaging on this was more potent than some people, including me, thought it was. Uh, I think the appeal of a return to normalcy uh, uh, was it was high for a lot of people. People miss their jobs, their workplaces, their friends, their grandparents, their family. Uh, and so if the president is out there every day downplaying the enormity of the pandemic and saying it's fine and, and, you know, and hope is near on a cure and Democrats and the media are exacerbating it for political purposes, it's easy to see that would be fertile territory now looking back uh, for a certain number of voters. And I think we'll find out in the coming weeks and months as we have, have more, uh, some more data to look at that we'll have a sense of really how that cut into Biden's advantage on this issue in terms of his handling of the crisis. I am so glad you opened this door because I'm just going to I'm just going to dish here. I said on Tuesday night around four in the morning um, to Brian Williams that I think we completely missed the um, maybe hidden uh, anti taking care of public health vote or the um, sort of get back out there vote or whatever you want to call it. I think that people want to be told that we can do both. People worry about their kids. My little boy is at home. I worry about him every day. I'm doing my best mm-hmm. to get him through math and reading, but I'm no replacement for a teacher and friends. People feel despondent about being separated from their family and from their friends, from their peer groups and from their work colleagues. Mm-hmm. And there is an austerity and there is uh, an elitism to saying, oh, we can just you know, recreate our little bubble in our homes. That is not reality for a lot of people. And to your point, um, if, the, if the sort of things stay on the trajectory that, again, the Trump and Biden campaigns seem to expect they will, that, that Joe Biden will get to 270 um, first, how does that figure into and, and I have to say for Biden's part, he always makes an effort to talk about the economy. He never separates them. But it's clear from this data that that, that has not been heard by the Trump voter. But I, I just I got to put a sidebar in here uh, because after the dust settles, if Joe Biden ends up winning the presidency, then I think a lot of people are going to turn to what happened to the Democratic Party. 
Yeah. There is no way to put this other than to say this election was was I mean, Joe Biden winning looks like a one off. This election, for the most part, was an absolute repudiation of the Democratic Party as a brand. Their brand doesn't work across most of America. It just doesn't. They got routed in Senate races they should have won. I mean, and if you don't believe me, just look back at all the predictions. Are Democrats going to win 9, 10, 11 Senate seats? The, the, the House results are perhaps even more shocking. Nobody thought that this was going to be close. The weekend before the election, Republican pollsters were talking about hemorrhaging support in suburbs and couldn't believe the numbers. They said, we're going to get destroyed. Well, it ended up. They couldn't believe the numbers for a good reason. The numbers were wrong. And Casey, this is going to have a profound impact over the next 10 years. The state legislatures that Democrats thought were going to gain, the state legislatures that Democrats lost, all of this is going to have a consequential impact on redistricting and the shape of the map over the next 10 years. Talk about the incredible phone uh, conference call where... Abigail Spanberger, uh, you know, I'm sorry, I'm a former Republican, so I guess my opinion doesn't matter. She told it like it was. Stop talking about socialism. Stop talking about defunding the police. It doesn't work. And of course, leaders of the Democratic Party have actually come on this show and said, of course, they don't support the defunding of the police. But, but she was very angry, believed uh, that, that what's happened uh, to the Democratic Party's brand has been shattered, and they need to fight back. This is what she said. We need to not ever use the word socialist or socialism again. We lost good members because of that, she said heatedly. If we are classifying Tuesday as a success, we will get blanking, torn apart in 2022. And I've already, you know, when I was saying I'm talking to the smartest uh, smartest data people uh, alive uh, that basically told me that the numbers were a mirage in Florida and a, across the upper Midwest. Those same people say that the Republicans are going to have a huge year in 2022 just looking at this data, looking at our exit polls, if they don't correct course, if the Democrats don't correct course. I mean, they were part of the campaign. We played all sorts of fucking sound bites that literally, oh my God, what is wrong? America's a racist shithole. We're not going to fucking elect the great deer leader. That's what they said. And then it's an echo chamber. Here's Brian Seltzer, a vivid comment by Chris Cuomo about the popular vote. Huge rejection of Donald Trump. No one has ever got the spanking that he's getting in the general right now. Oh, really? 71 million people disagree with you, Chris. Don Lemon, I don't dare speak for my colleagues, but I can tell you how difficult it's been as a journalist to cover this dark part of history. Let's hope the attacks on journalists, journalism and everyone end. Time to move into the light. That's not happening. You ruined it. You ruined it. Because this is what you did before as we go to a break and we'll come into 
Andrew Yang and some positive for two seconds before we go into the ugly. This is them saying you must concede before there was any proof that Biden was going to get enough magic votes that only voted for him because the House sure the fuck didn't get voted for and the Senate didn't get voted for and state houses and governors didn't get voted for. This is the media begging him to concede. If Joe Biden wins and we have a Democrat in the White House with a Republican-led Senate, does that spell gridlock for the next four years? It doesn't spell gridlock, but it does spell very tough, very tough to govern successfully. <clears throat> and, and let's face it, even the Democrats are confident about now about uh, taking the White House. The reality is, Donnie, it may be a pyrrhic victory. Because if you have Mitch McConnell, I know, as John just said, he does have a record of working with Joe Biden. But nonetheless, Mitch McConnell is going to be, a, and the Republicans in the Senate will be a blocking force. And then on top of that, something, something we haven't had in, in a long, long time. It's so odd because there is no credible evidence of widespread fraud. Yeah. None. So if you are a Fox reporter or anchor, somebody not on the opinion side, and you're going to abide by this crazy instruction, you might as well hand in your press credential at the same time because you can't be taken seriously as a journalist. Yeah, I mean, look, Fox is acting as an arm of the Trump campaign, and the Trump campaign is treating Fox like an arm of their own campaign. They've been on the phone all week haranguing senior people over at Fox mm -hmm. about that Arizona call that, as uh, Jim Acosta has said, they are furious about uh the trump campaign wants fox to get in line and it sounds like based on uh based on brian's reporting that they are right now the biden camp for them this is a matter of when and not if you know that this morning joe biden is on the verge they say of becoming the next president we heard him come out yesterday all but declare that this race is over george here in delaware they have been preparing the stage behind me they are ready to go at a moment's notice to declare victory if they hit that 270 right, and what's the trigger going to be for him i mean we haven't projected enough states to get over 270 yet it's possible that that will happen over the course of the day. What will determine whether we see the vice president come out and embrace a victory? See, is there anyone inside the president's circle, if it gets to the point you were just talking about a minute ago, who can go and tell him it's time, it's time to accept this with great... Republicans know that President Trump has incredible power with so many of their voters. And we saw almost 70 million people have mm -hmm. voted for Donald Trump this time around. But it's also been very, very difficult to work with him. It has made their lives very difficult. The, trying to govern has been incredibly unpredictable, even on serious, uh, you know, national security issues where there's typically a lot of agreement in both parties and uh, sort of that that sort of standard. How are we all going to figure out how to make sure that we are running the country in a competent and straightforward way? And Donald Trump's chaotic leadership style has been very difficult for many of them for a long time. And so that's the tension here. They're trying to figure out, OK, we're afraid the president is going to attack us still and our voters are going to punish us for that. But on the other hand, there are a lot of Republicans in Congress. I mean, they ran for the Senate for a reason. They want to actually do the work that keeps the country on track. And there are a lot of them that will breathe a private sigh of relief if this election is called for Joe Biden. He is somebody, and, and Kristen t touched on this, and you know, it, uh, there's going to be time, I think, if we do, do call this race for Joe Biden to talk about what, what this means to him personally. But 
Remember, he served in the Senate for decades. Yes, he's run for president. He's wanted to be president his whole life. But he is someone who deeply is embedded in and understands how our nation is governed, how you make big deals, how you solve big problems. You know, there how many Americans out there desperately need a job, desperately need help, more unemployment insurance, whose businesses are closing. Congress has so far let them down. Mm-hmm. So I think the, the question here uh, and, and the most hopeful way of looking at what could come of this if Republicans continue to take this posture is that perhaps some of those things would be more possible in a less chaotic environment. If, if this thing goes uh, um, the vice president's way, can, can President Trump still do damage? We, we, we heard him yeah. tonight uh, with these, these false claims of conspiracies with the polls and, and illegal votes. If he's defeated, can he still do damage? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think, uh, look, there's no doubt that his supporters, which we we know is, you know, a significant amount of the country. He got more of those voters to come out in 2020 than he did in 2016. So they're going to watch and listen, and and many will act uh, and believe exactly what he tells them. So there is significant damage that he can do. I was struck by... um, just listening to former Vice President Al Gore and to remember what that election was like 20 years, to, to lose an election by less than 600 votes nationally, uh, and to do it in the way he did it, I think speaks volumes and hopefully can be a model for not just Trump or anybody that loses an election, because the magnanimity that he left the office uh, so close to being President of the United States. Robert, thanks. Thank you, Robert. By the way, just to be also, it's politically better to be conciliatory because it puts you in a position. I mean, Al Gore was certainly in the position to run for president again by the way he handled himself there. There was a lot of positive vibes. So there is an argument. If the president is serious about wanting to run in 2024, how he handles this moment is actually perhaps helpful to his future political standing. So it's not just the long term the right thing for the country and, and i think al gore to this day it's the single most important concession speech well, in this country I would say modern history people should just look it up yeah look uh, that speech up and read it but again think about it again even looking at it from a cross political perspective it doesn't make any sense for the president to behave this way if he actually has aspirations let's talk about what this all means because let's say pennsylvania does go for biden and let's say that he ends up with 270 tonight or tomorrow whenever this happens what is he facing you know he may be facing mitch mcconnell as majority leader again depending on what happens in those georgia races that uh, at least one runoff possibly two runoffs in georgia in the senate we don't know what yet what's going to happen in the alaska senate race as well but let's say he faces the same thing barack obama faced which was obstruction from a republican majority leader a republican senate divided government Uh, a lot of challenges not just the pandemic the economy and everything else that any president taking office on january 20th is going to face in this country welcome back to flyover politic podcast with Tony Reed. Pieces are falling, I can't seem to make them stay.
expert analysis this year. It's been a bad year for the experts between COVID and the election results. But one of the things the moron class predicted, of course, was a disaster for the GOP in the House of Representatives. Republicans were going to get absolutely crushed. So let's examine very quickly the gap between their projections, the experts' projections, and what actually happened. It looks like Republicans will gain between five and ten seats in the House. Some are predicting more. They also flip control of two state legislatures. Now, if you're a Democrat, that's got to lead to some tough questions. Maybe identity politics and corporate economics isn't a great combination because most people hate that. They hate that. They want the opposite. They want stability, moderate social conservatism. They believe in families because they have them. And they don't actually think that the corporate bottom line is the most important thing in their family. Maybe a little bit of economic populism is okay with them. So possibly the Democratic Party needs to stop catering to the women's studies majors at Wesleyan and start thinking about everyone else. Andrew Yang, who's been kind of a party man recently, but at his core is a smart guy, raised that possibility last night. And here's part of what he said. I had that experience countless times on the trail, Don, where I would say, hey, I'm running for president to a truck driver, retail worker, a waitress in a diner. And they would say, what party? And I say Democrat and they would flinch like I'd said something really negative or I just like had like turned another color or something like that. Uh, and there's something deeply wrong when working class Americans have that response to a major party that theoretically is supposed to be fighting for them. So you have to ask yourself, what has the Democratic Party been standing for in their minds? And in their minds, the Democratic Party, unfortunately, has taken on this role of the coastal urban elites who are more concerned about policing various cultural issues than improving their way of life yep. that has been declining for years. Exactly. And you'd think they would know that because they probably take Uber like everybody else. And how many immigrant Uber cab drivers at the very bottom of the gig economy the Democrats created are listening to Fox Ooh. News on the radio? You ever notice that? If you haven't, then you're not an Uber because they are. And those are exactly the kind of people the Democrats claim they represent, but instead they've ignored for the past four years and yelled about Russia, Russia, Russia. Now, privately, some Democrats know they need to figure this out right away. On a call with other Democrats yesterday, Abigail Spanberger, she's an elected member of Congress from Virginia, made that clear. I think that we need to be pretty clear about the fact that Tuesday, from a congressional standpoint, it was a failure. It was not a success. We lost members who shouldn't have lost. We need to not ever use the word socialist or socialism ever again. Because while people think it doesn't matter, it does matter. And we lost good members because of that. And if we are classifying Tuesday as a success from a congressional standpoint, we need to look at being torn apart in 2022. Ooh, Abigail Spanberger points out the truth. Of course, most of the Democrats who lost were more moderate Democrats meaning that Sandy Cortez, who's not only stupid but radical, will have more control of the party. And that's a huge problem for Democrats. Spanberger went on to point out that most voters, meaning people who don't live in gated communities or have security guards like Nancy Pelosi, don't want to, quote, defund the police. Another Democrat on the call agreed with Spanberger. Will the party acknowledge this? Brian Dean Wright is a former CIA officer. And we're happy to have him on tonight, longtime Democrat. Brian, thanks so much for coming on. So why did it take... Totally unexpected losses in the House, pretty significant losses, for the Democratic Party to realize that defund the police, put your life in peril, is not a winning campaign message. 
Well, the party's unfortunately full of a lot of dumb people, and amazingly, Donald Trump figured that out, because if you look at the coalition of people who voted for him this past election, he's got the working class coalition. People who earn less than $100,000 pulled the lever for him. He got more black and brown and gay people voting for him than any other GOP candidate since 1960. So the question is that Andrew Yang is thoughtfully asking is can the Democratic Party actually build back that coalition that actually brought it into existence? The answer isn't just no, but hell no, Tucker. And there are four reasons why. Let's talk about the first. In 2016, when Trump won, Democrats had this soul-searching conversation for why they lost. And they came up with a number of reports, and one of them read, and I love this, and I'll read this sentence. The lack Good of grammar and spelling. consultants that we hire contributed to our loss. That's right. <laughs> Identity politics was the solution, right? So it's the consultants. How swampy of an answer, right? But look, they, they took that answer, and they actually adopted it as, as their belief system, as a rhetoric. We, we got white man bad stuff, racial divisions and rhetoric, and then they sprinkled in some Marxism and a little bit of a, America's terrible and bad and awful, right? That's what we got for four years, which is then the second issue. What is the leadership of the Democratic Party belief? Right? We know that Tom Perez, the chair of the DNC, said that Ocasio-Cortez and her socialism, true story here, said that she is the future of the party. Show me one damn Democrat over the past four years who said that's wrong. Pelosi didn't. She, she was on Rolling Stone magazine, you know, buddied up next to her Ocasio-Cortez and Elon Omar, rabidly anti-Jewish. Right? So, so then we get to the third issue, which is what do these people actually believe? How are the things that they were going to adopt as law, how would that actually impact the working class? You and I have talked a lot about on this program immigration. When you have immigrants come across a border who can't speak English and have poor education, they take yeah. jobs from those who don't have high school educations in this country. Well, that depresses wages. That hurts the working class. The Green New Deal. They want to phase out the cattle industry. How does that affect ranchers and farmers? What about the timber industry they want to get rid of? How does that affect folks who are working in our forests uh, tonight? Th the point is that what they believe also hurts the middle class and the working class. And my God, let's look at the trade agreements. Why is it over the 50 years that Joe Biden's been in Washington, every one of these trade agreements have somehow benefited countries like China and the folks on Wall Street? But the towns where you are and folks uh, watching this program tonight come from originally, they're dying. Right? I mean, we have pride, but we're be, we get cheap crap at Walmart, and then we get injected with booze and, and opiates. Exactly. Right? And then that's the final piece. So where's the money that feeds the Democratic Party? Where's that coming from? We talked about the Wall Street folks, the people from China, the folks that, bottom line is, they're getting money from the big tech people, and that ain't going to change. Democrats aren't going to change the hand that feeds them. That's why, for reasons, Democrats are not going to change who they are. I think that's a really smart analysis from the inside, someone who knows the party well. Brian Dean Wright, great to see you. Thank you. Well, if Andrew Yang is about the only person talking out there that I think he understands it. His tweet was, if 68 people do something, it's vital we understand it. It was 68 when he said it, it's 71 now. But they won't. They won't change to start our ugly I'm once again going to play Tapper, but listen to what they say about Trump and his supporters. You have Vega, Trump's big, biggest moments was racism. Williams, Schmidt, Trumpism will outlast Trump. MSDNC's 
or sorry, um, MSDNC's Glod, whiteness animates core of this country, and Scarborough bashing Christians. But remember, we can't look at them as our enemies, because they're not looking at us as enemies, because Biden just gave a speech and five years is wiped off the map. That about what you see on Fox, when you have every right to be, you should check out the, the, uh, the Twitter feed of the president's spawn, because it is like rantings in cram by somebody having an LSD trip. I mean, it is somebody, these are, these are claims that are just so wild um, that they wouldn't even make, forget Fox, they wouldn't even make Fox business. Where you know where all sorts of facts go meanwhile, to die. Meanwhile, um, what uh, what Jeff Zeleny just CNN projects Joe Biden will become the 46th president of the United States, and Jake, he is now president-elect Joe Biden. What a moment in history we have all been waiting on the edges of our seats since Tuesday. It is the end, the end of a tumultuous presidency, a time of some accomplishments. No question, a time where many Americans throughout the country and in, <clears throat> in shuttered steel towns and in rural America, they felt for the first time, they felt heard, which is important, but it is also, Wolf, it has also been a time of, of extreme divisions. Many of the divisions caused and exacerbated by President Trump himself. It's been a time of several significant and utterly avoidable failures, most tragically, of course, the unwillingness to respect facts and science and do everything that can be done to save lives during a pandemic. It has been a time where truth and fact were treated with disdain. It is a time of cruelty where official inhumanity, such as child separation, became the official shameful policy of the United States. But now the Trump presidency is coming to an end, to an end, with so many squandered opportunities and ruined potential, but also an era of just plain meanness. It must be said, to paraphrase President Ford, for tens of millions of our fellow Americans, their long national nightmare is over. <clears throat> it's, um... Well, it's easier to be a parent this morning. It's easier to be a dad. It's easier to, it's easier to tell your kids character matters. It matters. Telling the truth matters. Being a good person matters. And it's easier for a whole lot of people. If you're Muslim in this country, you, you, you don't have to worry if the president doesn't want you here. If you're an immigrant, you don't have to worry if the president's going to be happier to have babies snatched away or send dreamers back for no reason. <laughs> vindication for a lot of people who have really suffered you know the, the, I can't breathe you know that wasn't just George Floyd that was a lot of people that felt that they couldn't breathe every day you're waking up and you're getting these tweets and you just don't know and you're going to the store and, and people who have been afraid to show their racism are getting nastier and nastier to you and you're worried about your kids and you're worried about your sister and can she just go to Walmart and, and get back into the, her car without somebody saying something to her? And, 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 and you spent so much of your life energy just trying to hold it together. And this is a big deal.
for us just to be able to get some peace and, 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 and have a chance for, for, for a reset. And, and the character of the country matters. And, 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 and being a good man matters. I, you know, I just want my sons to, to look at this. Look at this. You know, it's easy to, to, to do it the, the cheap way and, 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 and get away with stuff. But it comes back around. It comes back around. And this is a good day for this country. I, I'm sorry for the people who lost. I, for them, it's not a good day. But for a whole lot of people, it's a good day. But as, as my team and I were preparing to cover this election, we went back and, and just looked at some of the biggest moments of the last four years. And so many of the most inflammatory things that he have said, has said have centered around race and racism and gender from Charlottesville to Mexicans uh, you know, are, are not sending their best people. They're sending some of them are rapists, uh, you know, retweeting uh, white power slogans down at the villager at the villages in Florida. And now when we look at what could potentially be this transition into someone like Kamala Harris coming into the White House as a vice president, I think it, it will make America pause a little bit and say, Maybe that wasn't okay. Maybe this is not who we are as a country and that we can move forward from some of this horrible ugliness that struck at the, the, the worst parts of our society. Here's this. According to NBC News exit polls of early and election day voters, again, exit polling here, 91% of black women went for Biden. 80% of black men went for Biden. What, what do you make of the disparity between uh, black male voters and black female voters, according to this, this exit poll data? Well, you know, I'm, I'm skeptical of the exit poll data, especially, especially when millions of, of, of mail-in vote ballots have, have been cast. So uh, we want to read that for what it is. We need to understand sexism and patriarchy isn't the uh, possession of white men. Uh, that sexism and patriarchy is, in fact, uh, the possession of, of Hispanic men and black men. Uh, we know that um, uh, uh, the real story here, though, Craig, isn't about black men. It isn't about Latino voters. The real story here is about white voters. Donald Trump has overperformed among white voters. We've been saying over and over again that we didn't know how he was going to expand his base, that he's been governing just towards his for his base. We, we've been saying that over and over again. What we saw is that the strategy of the Trump campaign was very clear, that what they wanted to do was to go out for those, go out and, and recruit those disaffected white voters to get them who have opted out of the process and get them to turn out. And what have we seen? We've seen those numbers in droves. And how did he appeal to them? He appealed to them with hate, with grievance, with resentment. So although we could tell the story about black men, although we could tell the story about Latinos, and we need, to un we need to disaggregate that category, this is a story about white America. This is a story about how whiteness still um, animates the core of this country, along with selfishness, Craig, because we know who this man is. This race shouldn't be this tight, at least from my vantage point. When I heard Marco Rubio, I guess the day before Election Day, uh, kind of saluting the uh, folks, the Trump caravan that almost ran the Biden bus off the road. You know, you hear something like that from someone who's supposed to be a mainstream Republican senator. You realize that Trumpism, and that's part of what the Lincoln Project was formed to defeat, Trumpism is a powerful thing. It may be a loser politically, but do you... Do you anticipate it to survive Donald Trump? 
Oh, absolutely. Look, we have almost 48% of this country that's voted for a statist authoritarian movement with fascistic markers that's hostile to American democracy, to the rule of law, that venerates an individual that's a cult of personality. Um, I think that Tucker Carlson is the front runner for the Republican nomination in 2024. What, what you're going to see is every Republican candidate will kowtow to the conspiracy that Trump was stabbed in the back by unseen malicious forces of the deep state, that the election was stolen, that it's illegitimate. I mean, forever, forever, more than a majority of the Republican Party uh, will believe this was an illegitimate election because they have been poisoned by the Murdoch operation, by OAN, by Sinclair, uh, by the toxic sludge of sewage and crap and disinformation and lies that flows on Facebook into the screens of the American people. And so this is a long-term fight. You know, we have an emboldened white supremacist, white nationalist movement in this country now because of Trump. We see a militia movement that has become part and parcel of the Republican Party, where it's now standard operating procedure at a at a political rally to see the guys with their AR-15s. So all of this needs to be sealed back under a sarcophagus of the type that lays over the Chernobyl reactor. But and you end up talking to people who voted for Trump or who believe in Donald Trump, and you get amazingly simplistic themes, and they boil it down to the following sentence. I'm tired of so many people telling me what to think how to live, and now they're telling me what to eat. I mean, the, the, the take that, that so many people have about the interference in their own personal lives by an overwhelming apparatus of government, the flood of social media. Well, there's also, and you just have to add in there, and, and I say this as a guy who is Republican for 20, 25 years. Uh, so much of that also comes from just an overwhelming sense of victimhood. The sense of victimhood is outrageous. You know what makes it even more outrageous? I'm sorry to get on this, this, this uh, soapbox, is the ladies, same people that are talking about religious liberty, are supporting a guy still who promoted a Muslim registry. Yes, yes, a Muslim registry. Sounds an awful lot like Jewish reg registries in Nazi Germany. Oh, you can't say those words, can you? Oh, but wait, that's what he proposed. You talk about pro-life, you talk about protecting unborn babies, you just don't care about babies that are born, that are locked in cages. I, I really don't get it. I mean, the victimhood, I mean, come on. Stop being a victim. Stop being a snowflake. You need to take a long cold shower. Yeah, I don't understand why people voted for Donald Trump. I don't. I don't understand why my family voted for Donald Trump. I don't understand why my best friends voted for Donald Trump. I don't understand why everybody in my neighborhood voted for Donald Trump. I don't understand why everybody that I know voted for Donald Trump. But I got to get along with them. I love them. I'm not going to throw away 57 years of friendships over one election. And we'll survive four years or eight years of Donald Trump. We'll survive four years or eight years of Joe Biden. It's time for us to take a deep breath and just move forward with our lives and stop obsessing so much. Over 
See, the problem is Joe Biden could say those words, but everybody on the left does see Christians, gun owners, Southerners, people who don't believe in 95 pronouns as the enemy. And we're not talking the Trumpers. Yes, I'm not going to be a hypocrite. I see 18% of the left as the enemy of the United States. Not my enemy, the United States. They want to ruin it. They want to, with BLM, defund the police, have no borders, get rid of the family, and they want one-party rule. That, to me, is the antithesis of democracy, what our country was founded on, what our country is, and what most of the majority, 82%, want. But I don't see everybody who voted for Biden as evil. They see 71 million people evil. And that's the media. I mean, how can you have, once again, free elections when this is our media? And it's just not CNN, which I'm pounding on, or MSNBC. It's ABC. It's CBS. It's NBC. There's two standards for everything. There is how do we score political points by saying what the right is doing wrong, and how do we defend the Democrats? They're not going to stop any fucking compromise forwarded by other than Democrats during the next four years will be anti-American obstructionism. Mark my words. They're already saying it. And as Biden's saying it, and some media people are saying it, Wajit Ali, Biden-Harris need to establish a war room just for media and messaging. You have you have treat the Republican Party and right-wing media as the increasingly extremist group that they are. Biden has to lead, heal the nation, court the voters, but the right-wing movement is hostile. One way to do this is establish Biden fireside chats. I think he'll be great at it. Just talk to the country. Transparency. Get way to heal. But you also need Blitzkrieg on Facebook and radio. Right-wing dominated those spaces. Also attack Republicans leading up to 2022. McConnell and Republicans will obstruct Biden on popular policies the country needs to literally survive. You must tell the country they are blocking progress. Let Biden heal. Let others attack, attack, attack. And message properly leading up to 2022. That's when we win it all back. Momo. Biden has to heal the nation by treating half the country as extremists. Sounds like a great idea. We're healing the nation now. Face the wall, comrade. Scheduled tweet from last week when Biden was going to win by 15 million votes and 10 points. The party of norms and civility firmly back in charge. Alexandria Brown reads first part of tweet, reads second part. My dude. Every time, hear this thread, every time they try to pull that heal the nation BS, that means eliminating you. Establish a war room, treat your opponents as an extremist group, and thereby heal the nation. NBC contributor and historian, Lincoln in first inauguration, we are not enemies but friends, we must not be enemies Though passion may have strained, it must not break our bonds of affection. His next tweet. After January 20, 2021, racists and anti-Semites will no longer be welcome in the White House West Wing. So I went to his site to see this guy. 
and he he's once again he's brought over you know he he's brought on to be a historian an objective person this is what he said after that one god bless the memory of every american who has perished or suffered unnecessarily due to covid-19 and trump a tonic to hear happiness in the voice of Joanne Reed. Regret that John Lewis could live to witness this day. No president of the United States was ever again. These are all separate. Again, call our f- free press, which is protected by the Constitution, enemy of the people. Well, you call us enemies. We must all make sure that no one in the outgoing administration secretly destroys any White House or executive branch documents or email or other record or parts part of the four years are required by law because they're going to try to do more crimes against humanity shit like Bush. After January 2021, it'll be reassuring to see members of a White House staff and president's cabinet who actually belong in these jobs and the people that were there to never have jobs. But we're not enemies. We're not enemies. No more desecration of the sacred public rooms of the White House and its ground for partisan purposes. Will be a relief to see the departure of the vice president who truckles and abases himself. I don't even know what that means. And then you have John Meacham saying the very same thing. The other historian our long national nightmare is over because the deficit of decency the deficit of hope the the ascendance of fear the ascendance of selfishness that we have seen in this country will not totally end uh, with any single election but a single election can surely help and what was on the ballot here was decency and democracy and empathy, and Joe Biden is particularly well-equipped for this moment. He's not perfect. He'd be the last person on the planet to tell you he was perfect. There are vices, but there are virtues here, and they are deeply human virtues. They are deeply American virtues, and I think it's wonderfully poetic that it was Pennsylvania that has ended what President Ford in another context called our long national nightmare because it was in Philadelphia that as Benjamin Franklin left the Constitutional Convention in that fabled story and an important woman in Philadelphia said what will it be Mr. Franklin have you given us a republic or a monarchy and he said a republic madam if you can keep it the republic is being kept today And if there's anyone that can heal this country, it is someone that has been through the pain, has had to grow, because we fought over the crime bill 30 years ago, and he's grown. And I think that you have the poetry of him winning in his home state, where across Scranton, Pennsylvania, but you also have the poetry of here was a man who was the vice president to the first black man that was president that is now bringing in the first black woman to be vice president. He is the bridge to bring this country together because he has served the black and now has a black woman that will serve with him. And this is the kind of healing we want. 
I was in the room, Joe and Mika, when, and, 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 and I think this is important. I was there when he met with George Floyd's family uh, the day mm -hmm. before the funeral in Houston. And only Joe Biden could show the empathy and compassion and took George Floyd's young daughter to the side and talked to her one-on-one -on -one like she was the head of state. And she said to him, you know, my dad's going to change the world. And he's quoted that everywhere. That's the kind of man we need to bring this country together. We're not going to always agree, but we're going to have to trust the one that convenes us. And I think he's earned our trust because he understands pain. We've been talking an awful lot over the past three and a half years and certainly over the past weeks about living in a divided nation. And there's no getting around it. We are a divided country. But there's a cause for this. There's a reason for this. And one of the biggest reasons is that every single day, every single hour of nearly every single day for the last three and a half years, we have been led by a president who has gone out of his way to create division in this country. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens when you have Joseph R. Biden assume the presidency, a man directly opposite to the nature, the personality, and the moral code of the... What? What is what is that? If you're professional fucking journalist, what is that? And then what they trot out as a conservative and WAPO gives a column, this is Jennifer Rubin. We need to burn it all down. An entertainment organization that has a news outlet would hire these people. I also want to um, echo something that um, my friend uh, EJ said. Um, it's not only that Trump has to lose, but that all his enablers have to lose. They have to, we have to collectively, in essence, burn down the Republican Party. Um, we have to level them because if there are survivors, if there are people who weather this storm, they will do it again. They will take this as confirmation that, hey, it just pays to ride the waves. Look at me. I've made it through. And so up and down the ticket, federal, state, local offices, the country has to repudiate this. This has become a dysfunctional anti-government party. That is not what the country wants and what it needs. And the proof is... That's journalism. Once again, that's journalism. I, I'm supposed to believe these people, when they call an election and say there's no fraud, I'm supposed to believe they're being objective and they're just defending democracy. Katie Pavlich to that. If Democrats are looking for unity with the kind of language and hunting for survivors, I've got some news for you. 70 million plus voted for Trump. Another reply. This is so stupid. Ours gain House seats should keep the Senate majority and kept every state government they had. All D's have is the White House. Burn it down? I mean... That's the media. What is it? 14 seats or 20 seats? Uh, let me see if I can get this to tell me the truth. Something like 10 seats, 10 or 12 seats they picked up. This one's not showing a lot. But the last time I saw it, they were over 200 fucking seats. 
That's what the house picked up. This was a bloodbath for Dems. They may have won the presidency, which was, I believe, some shady shit. And their COVID stuff, which, you know, brings me, this is also supposed to be a straight up newsman on Fox saying that COVID wasn't an impediment to Trump. It's called leadership. And I'm sure boss up in New York thinks this makes sense. But give me a second to destroy this in two seconds. Because the deficit of decency, the deficit of hope, the the ascendance of fear, the ascendance of selfishness that we have seen in this country will not totally end uh, with any single election, but a single election can surely help. And what was on the ballot here was decency and democracy and empathy. And Joe Biden is particularly well-equipped for this moment. He's not perfect. He'd be the last person on the planet to tell you he was perfect. There are vices, but there are virtues here, and they are deeply human virtues. They are deeply American virtues. And I think it's wonderfully poetic that it was Pennsylvania that has ended what President Ford in another context called our long national nightmare, because it was in Philadelphia that as Benjamin Franklin left the Constitutional Convention in that fabled story, and an important woman in Philadelphia said, what will it be, Mr. Franklin, have you given us a republic or a monarchy? And he said, a republic, madam, if you can keep it. The republic is being kept today. And if there's anyone that can heal this country, it is someone that has been through the pain, has had to grow, because we fought over the crime bill 30 years ago, and he's grown. And I think that you have the poetry of him winning in his home state, where across Scranton, Pennsylvania, but you also have the poetry of here was a man who was the vice president to the first black man that was president that is now bringing in the first black woman to be vice president. He is the bridge to bring this country together because he has served the black and now has a black woman that will serve with him. And this is the kind of healing we want. I was in the room, Joe and Mika, when, and and I think this is important. I was there when he met with George Floyd's family uh, the day Mm -hmm. before the funeral in Houston. And only Joe Biden could show the empathy and compassion and took George Floyd's young daughter to the side and talked to her one-on-one like she was the head of state. And she said to him, you know, my dad's going to change the world. And he's quoted that everywhere. That's the kind of man we need to bring this country together. We're not going to always agree, but we're going to have to trust the one that convenes us. And I think he's earned our trust because he understands pain. We've been talking an awful lot over the past three and a half years and certainly over the past weeks about living in a divided nation and there's no getting around it we are a divided country but there's a cause for this there's a reason for this and one of the biggest reasons is that every single day every single hour of nearly every single day for the last three and a half years we have been led by a president who has gone out of his way to create division in this country So it's going to be interesting to see what happens when you have Joseph R. Biden assume the presidency, a man directly opposite to the nature, the personality, and the moral code of the incumbent president. Just a week ago, 
Biden said Trump was the virus, and the only way he could get rid of COVID is to get rid of Trump. The media, who's supposed to be objective and not the enemy of the people, weaponized that if you went out and protested for other than Black Lives Matter and Antifa destruction, or now for Biden's win, that was a super spreader event. Of course COVID was weaponized. Of course COVID was used against Trump. That was their sole fucking platform. He killed grandma. Even though all the antithetical fucking evidence shows that's not the truth. It was Democratic governors and their policies of sending grandma back to the old folks home that killed all sorts of people. But COVID from start to finish was used as a weapon to keep the economy down, to fucking destroy what he had built, and then use it to get him unelected. And they did it very well. To say anything other than that is intellectually bereft, dishonest, and you really need to look in a mirror. So Chris Wallace needs to look in a fucking mirror. No leadership that he did with this entire media was acceptable. They went from soup to nuts to use it against him. And we see it right now with the block parties. America celebrating a couple hundred people here and there, not socially distancing, and you're excusing that. When once again, days prior... Count the vote is a super spreader. Okay. And then why I didn't vote for Biden, I fear what's going to happen, is Ian Miles Chong is somewhat concerning that the highest tiers of the progressive left are already having discussions about curating lists of Trump supporters and conservatives who oppose them. Evan McMullen, we should keep a published list of everyone who assists Trump's frivolous and dangerous attacks on the election. Name and shame forever. AOC, anyone archiving the Trump sycophants for when they try to downplay or deny their complicity in the future? I foresee decent probability of many deleted tweets, writings, photos in the future. And she spawned all sorts of stuff. People responded, yes, we are, the Trump Accountability Project. Every administration staffer, campaign staffer, bundler, lawyer who represented them, everyone, Michael Simmon. People's responses, Chicoms had one of these. Feel free to archive my tweets if you retweet or quote elsewhere and you want to, my shit's gold. Please cite properly. A little early for the gulag list to start, isn't it? She then went on to, uh, here's her other shit. It's not too late for them to do the right thing. Lincoln Project should take the L and publicly pledge to give a lot of their fundraising to the people who actually made a big difference. This is about them raising $77 million. And if they spent it all, yikes, then they should consider using their fundraising juggernaut to get resources for these orgs. And it's all Black Lives Matter shit. Jennifer Rubin, 
any are now promoting rejection of election or calling to not to follow the will of the voters or making baseless allegation of fraud should never serve an office, join a corporate board, find a faculty position, or be accepted into polite society. We have a list. Steve Schmidt. Who are the top 25 villains of this corrupt, venal, and murderous presidency? Here goes. We'll need re- refining Project Lincoln disclaimer for anyone who thinks this is too much. Ask me about the 565 orphan children. Trump, Kushner, Pence, Conway, Sanders. And it goes on. Ben Masalas. If you hire someone who mained with the Trump admin after the election, be on notice you will be held accountable by media's tut, Midas touch, and we will ensure you are exposed. Leslie McAdoo Gordon. This is the full Trump accountability project, enemies list before it was hidden and before the judges and donors tabs were removed. I took screenshots of every page before this happened. The list of administration officials is 1,202 long, so overlap the pits to get them on. Eli Lake. AOC should start the Lenin Project. And if you go to at McAdoo, M-C-A-D-Z-O-O, Gordon, there's the list. They made an Excel spreadsheet of everybody who's on the enemies list. Bill Steven, Max Miller, Justin J.K. Clark, Stephanie Alexander, Laura Trump, John Pence, Patichuk, Bob Patichuk, Kellyanne Conway. I'm just going to read a couple. Kushner, Miller, the other Trump, Tillerson, Pence, Con- uh, Conway, Hicks, Huckabee Sanders, Priebus, Spicer. They've been keeping this list. And once again, it's 1,200 names long. But yeah. Yeah, we, we we should not look them as our enemies. We should embrace them as our brothers. As they start doxing people and make them lose their jobs. Chris Saliza, more than ever, the world needs journalists. David Korn, when Trump was elected, I decided to only wear black ties. It was a personal and private act of mourning. I didn't say anything about it, and almost no one noticed over the past four years. Today, a gray tie. John Levin, folks, this is what real heroism looks like. Stunning and brave. I really need you all to get down on your knees and acknowledge the sacrifice this man has made for us. Brighter days are ahead now. Tom Elliott, I hear you, brother. I've been wearing the same underpants as CFPB restructuring bill got stuck in committee two years ago. That's normal. That's what we do. Because we're friends. They're not the enemy. You are. You're the enemy. They're good people. You're just a fucking piece of shit. The Daily Show shows a nuclear bomb over Florida. Can we destroy Florida? Dan Crenshaw. If Trump loses, he loses. It was never an impossible outcome. And we must accept the final results when it's over. But the unfortunate reality is there's very little trust in the process. There's irregularities have been flagrant and transparency lacking. It should be not be partisan to suggest calmly that investigations occur and the court process plays out. Americans need to be sure of the winners and losers. The winner should especially 
want that. And once again, right or wrong, there are people so angry about this process, the way it was done, how the left changed all the rules, went to this software program that we'll hear about in a second, that somebody that won, Majory Taylor Green. The time to stand up for real Donald Trump is right now. Republicans can't back down. This loser mindset is how the Democrats win. President Trump has fought for us. We have to fight for him. We won't forget. Trust me. And Crenshaw, did you even read past the first sentence? Or are you just purposely lying so you can talk tough? No one said give up. I literally said investigate every irregularity and use the courts. You're a member of Congress now, Marjorie. Start acting like one. Nick Searcy. Yeah, fight among yourself. Good move. It's not like we have enemies trying and destroying the country and pervert the electoral process or anything. And then the left took it and went long term. The only funny thing I could find in this is Pornhub. Somebody put a Pornhub logo on a CNN thing because it was porn for them. They were getting off. And to show you how petty our media is, CNN, not uh, Rian Saul. Saw this earlier, can't tell if it's real. John King, not some clown taking time away from lying about something else, apparently because they don't like math. TMZ, PolitiFact, did articles like this. Nearly 7 million people have watched the manipulated clip. That's how petty they are. They're that petty. They can't let that go. I mean, what the fucking fuck? What the fucking fuck? How, 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 how can anybody look at this regardless of how bad Trump is? How, how can you look at this and say, this isn't inappropriate? Will Chamberlain, dude, what are you talking about? McCain Penley on 60 million votes, lost. Romney Reining, 60 million votes, lost. Trump, Pence, 16, 65 million votes in the presidency. Trump, Pence, 20, 70 plus million votes. The regime change submit to the left faction is defeated. Not Trumpism, because David French. If anyone doubts whether this election is a stinging, crushing defeat for Trumpism, just look at the meltdown happening on Fox, on talk radio, on the website. They perceive the devastating damage done to their cause. On Fox. Fox? Fox was all for it. Fox was pushing for Biden. They're no different than the rest of the media. And that's the funny thing. We have bashing Fox on this. We have all this fucking Fox is horrible. Jesus Christ, you're the state media for the DNC, and we're going to see it in action now because it's going to be straight up garbage. Just sawed off garbage every day. All we're going to hear is about how great this administration is. And it, and there are no scandals. Hunter's, la, la, Hunter's laptop is gone. 
even if they win the Senate, gone. Nobody's going to investigate shit. That's why we're here. We're here because there's 70 million plus Americans who go, there is no justice against lefties. Lefties don't face anything. All they do is spin the same shit. You're a racist. You're a piece of shit. You're a fucking Nazi. And oh, by the way, don't look at Biden groping little girls. But grabbing the pussy. Hey, we got to talk about that shit. Atlantic. Remember, Trump's still the president of the 21st. Make no mistake, the attempt to harness Trumpism without Trump, but with calculated, refined, and smarter political talent is coming. Ziep Nep argues, and it won't be easy to make the next Trumpist a one-term president. The Atlantic already laying the groundwork for worse than Trump. And these are the articles they've already punched out because they're trying to scare people. America's next authoritarian will be much more competent. Trump was ineffective and easily beaten. A future strongman won't be. He will get into office less by luck than by skill. Perhaps it will be Senator Josh Hawley, who's writing a book about big tech because he knows that will be the next chapter in the culture wars, with social media companies joining fake news as the enemy. Perhaps it will be Senator Tom Cotton running on as a law and order leader with a populist bent. Maybe it'll be another media figure like Tucker Carlson or Joe Rogan, both men with talent and followings. Perhaps it'll be another Sarah Palin. She was a prototype with the charisma and appeal, but without the baggage and the need for knowledge. But no, they're not our enemies. Torre, who called everybody racist. If you're a Trumper, I hope the pain and anxiety you feel now is excruciating. You voted against American for a cult leader who has no redeeming or admirable qualities. He's a cretin, cares nothing about this country, and you don't either. You deserve all the pain and more. Geez, ghost. Aren't you just precious putting your political diaper rash on display for the whole world to see? You sound like a petulant child and don't know or understand the first thing about the voting for America really means. I know both sides sound the same. But when you want to change the entire system... Get rid of borders, get rid of the Second Amendment, get rid of the filibuster, get rid of the Electoral College, make two new states. Even the media is upset they can't do that because the media wanted that. They won one party rule. That's what the left wants. Bethany Mandel. Brett Kavanaugh is a gang rapist. The president's a tool of Russia. Tried to kill a bunch of fish in a koi pond. Remember that, folks? And also, we've never committed voter fraud. How dare you accuse us of such things? I'm not saying there is, but you can't pretend four years of lie after lie after lie meant to subvert the POTUS at every single turn will not result with people believing you're capable of anything when it comes to keeping a second term away from them. Breaking the trust of the American people shamelessly and repeatedly has consequences. And it would have been nice for Democrats and the media to realize that in the lead up to an election that was already going to be razor thin. Yes, the president's going to fight every single close race and get his lawyers and the double-checked results, as he damn well should. I trust nobody. That trust was stolen. This is the result. 
four years of denying Donald Trump won the 2016 election fair and square. And now these same people are demanding Republicans accept results in multiple states despite clear irregularities and funny business. Nope, it's not how it works. Donald Trump didn't radicalize me. Democrats and the media did reap what you sow. I 100%, 100% agree with all that. Every fucking syllable. Donald Trump didn't make me think the media is the enemy of the people. The media who only promote one party push every initiative they want and and make scandals out of nothing are that. We went through four years of a made-up scandal by Hillary Clinton. Sorry, liberals and moderates. The New York Times even reported that. Kavanaugh was a gang rapist. ACB abducted kids and is a cultist who's a Catholic. And we ignore a laptop full of shit. We ignore Hillary broke national security. We we ignore Benghazi, the IRS, Fast and Furious, Iran pallets of cash to motherfuckers who are blowing up soldiers. We use George Bush deaths and saying he lied people died on a war that was predicated by Bill Clinton for eight years. And ignored, which I had no problem with, Barack Hussein Obama nuking whole villages. And then bragging about his kill lists from the White House. We didn't get here because of Trump. Trump just marketed what people were saying. I wouldn't have a podcast if it wasn't for the media, which was long before Trump ever announced They are the enemy of free democracy. I don't care what you say. I don't care if you think that's extreme. That's just the reality. And I'm not a Trumper. I'm not a Republican. I'm an independent. But you can't look at this media and say they're not rooting for one team, aggressively working against another team, and trying to push an agenda that makes America not America. If the left says everybody's supposed to fucking have a house and a pot to piss in, a chicken in a pot, they support it. And that's called the Degree New Deal, and they did. So checkmate if you say I'm full of shit. And while this was all happening, once again, Buck Sexton, media declared Biden the winner in New York City is in a great mood. Everyone's shouting the streets, honking horns and wooden barricades around businesses are suddenly coming down. And nobody even once came back to say, oh yeah, I guess we weren't going to have violence because of Trump's rhetoric. It was actually BLM who were in Portland and you'll hear a pause, are already fighting with Biden voters. Yeah, I called that one. They're coming after you now. You 
yesterday i can read you all sorts of stuff article from the summit every vote protest descends into chaos it is a total fucking shit storm but i won't so we're going to go to a music break which is going to be a tucker monologue which is once again what nobody talked about in our media because we didn't want to talk about it what will it be like all right with the biden because you know why would we cover that? I mean, we're not going to cover about that. We we just talk about Trump and how bad Christians are and how bad fucking gun owners are. And then we're going to come in, and once again, every time I'm going to cover this to the very end of this little period, I want you to go from the perspective of if this was Biden votes. By that, sorry, <clears throat> I get a swig. Let me get another one because I got a piece of Copenhagen stuck in my neck. If Biden was up six points, Republican states changed a bunch of rules to go to mail-in, and all of a sudden, huge batches of just votes for Biden and nobody else started coming in, what would the media be reporting, and what would you think, Biden voter? Good evening and welcome to Tucker Carlson tonight. At some point soon, we're told, maybe tonight possibly, Joe Biden may take the stage to declare himself effectively the president-elect of the United States. That is a highly aggressive and very unusual move. Keep in mind there is vote counting still underway in a number of states. But then the Biden campaign's behavior in the last 48 hours, like so much we've seen recently, raises profound questions about our electoral system and whether it's really what we've assumed it was. We'll address all of that in a moment. But the first question tonight is far more basic than that. Who exactly is Joe Biden, this man who claims to be our president? We probably ought to find out. Put that on the to-do list. The truth is, as of tonight, we don't really know. We have no clue what Joe Biden actually thinks or even if he's capable of thinking. He hasn't told us. No one's made him tell us for a full year now. That's by design. In fact, it's becoming clear there is no Joe Biden. The man you may remember from the 1980s is gone. He no longer exists. 
What remains is a projection of sorts, a hologram designed to mimic the behavior of a non-threatening political candidate. Relax, Joe Biden's here. He smiles a lot. Everything's fine. That's the message from the vapor candidate. Don't think too much. So who's running the projector here? Well, the first thing you should know is the people behind Joe Biden aren't liberals, though we've often called them that incorrectly on this show. A liberal believes in the right of all Americans to speak freely, to make a living, to worship their God, to defend their own families, and to do all of that regardless of what political party they belong to or what race they happen to be born into or how far from midtown Manhattan they currently live. A liberal believes in universal principles fairly applied. And the funny thing is, all of that describes most of the 70 million people who just voted for Donald Trump this week. Most of them don't want to hurt or control anyone. They have no interest in lensing the opposition on Facebook or anywhere else. They just want to live their lives in the country they were born in. And it doesn't seem like a lot to ask. So by any traditional definition, they are liberal that way, though our language has become so politicized and so distorted that you would never know it. What you do know for certain is that the people behind Joe Biden are not like that at all. They don't believe in dissent. You think one thing, I think another, that's okay. No, that's not them at all. They demand obedience. Diversity, which is to say legitimate differences between people, is the last thing they want. Diversity? It's a cruel joke. They must mean it ironically. These people seek absolute sameness, total uniformity. You're happy with your corner coffee shop. They want to make you drink Starbucks every day from now until forever, no matter how it tastes. That's the future they promise. Everyone doing the same thing. Now, if these seem like corporate values to you, uniformity is the most basic corporate value, then you're catching on to what's happening. The Joe Biden for President campaign is a purely corporate enterprise. It's the first one in American history to come this close to the presidency. Its values, its slogans, its goals come straight from the HR department. If a multinational corporation decided to create a presidential candidate, he would be a former credit card shill from Wilmington, Delaware. And that's exactly what they got. What's good for Google is good for the Biden campaign and vice versa. We have never seen a more soulless project. They literally picked Kamala Harris as the vice president, someone who can't even pronounce her own name, not that it matters because it's purely an advertising gimmick. We watched all of this come together in real time. We stood slack-jawed in total disbelief as a man with no discernible constituency of any kind rose to the very top of our political system as if by magic. We looked for wires. How did he do that? He keeps rising. It's possible in the end that Joe Biden himself never convinced a single voter of anything over the entire duration of the presidential campaign. Not one. But he didn't have to. Joe Biden won the Democratic nomination because he wasn't Bernie Sanders. He came to where he is today because he isn't Donald Trump. That is the entire story. It's the shortest political book ever written. Now, whatever you may think of Donald Trump and Bernie Sanders, they did it the traditional way. Each one of them had the support of actual voters. Living, breathing people loved them, believed in them, vested their hope in them, and by the way, agreed with their ideas, which they articulated clearly. But corporate America hated them both. They couldn't be controlled, particularly Donald Trump, whose complete unwillingness to submit 
made him the greatest possible threat. And that's why they hate Donald Trump. That's the reason, because he won't obey. Tonight it's possible that these forces may be winning. We can't say that now. Of course, we would never say that until it is absolutely certain. But it could happen. What then? Who will we say really won the election? Joseph R. Biden? Please. That's insulting. The tech companies will have won. The big banks will have won. The government of China, the media establishment, the permanent bureaucracy, the billionaire class. They will have won. And not in a way that democracy promises. With numbers alone, if a single person equaled a single vote, a coalition like that could never win anything. There aren't enough of them. But as a group, they have something that Donald Trump's voters sadly do not have, and that is power. They have lots of power, and they plan to wield that power whether you like, like it or not. It's all starting to look a lot like oligarchy at this point. The people who believe they should have been in charge all along now actually may be in charge. So what does that mean for the rest of us? Now that corporate America controls everything, which is what they wanted, will they declare victory and back off finally? Can we speak freely again? Will they take the boot from our necks? Can we have America back? Now that the great orange emergency has passed, will the mandatory lying orders finally be lifted? Those are the questions we'll be paying attention to since we plan to stay in this country. And one other thing, by the way, while we're at it, who's excited to greet our new corporate overlords? Who plans to collaborate? bubble one podcast at a time here's tony reed if all this wasn't enough in antrim county ballots were counted for democrats that were meant for republicans causing a six thousand vote swing against our candidates the county clerk came forward and said tabulating software glitched and caused a miscalculation of the votes. Since then, we have now discovered that 47 counties use this same software in the same capacity. Antrim County had to hand count all of the ballots, and these counties that use this software need to closely examine their results for similar discrepancies. The people of Michigan deserve a transparent and open process. Any number of things they need to investigate, including the likelihood that 3% of the vote total was changed in the pre-election voting ballots that were collected digitally by using the Hammer program and a software program called Scorecard. That would have amounted to a massive change in the vote that would have gone across the country and explains a lot of what we're seeing. 
In addition, they ran an algorithm to calculate votes they might need to come up with for Mr. Biden in specific areas. I think that explains what happened in Michigan, where the computer glitch resulted in a change of votes of uh, about 5,500 in favor of President Trump, just in one of 47 districts. All those districts need to be checked for that same, quote, software glitch, end quote, that would change the result in Michigan dramatically. Um, the same thing is happening in other states. We've had hundreds of thousands of ballots mysteriously appear for oh, solely for Mr. Biden, which is statistically impossible as a matter of mathematics. It, it can all be documented. We are putting it into materials that we will file in federal court, and we need to seek relief in multiple states to enjoin the certification of any election results. Tom Fitton, as, as you listen to, to Sydney, that that sounds like a, a strong case for a straightforward allegation of, uh, of fraud. The two programs that she just mentioned, I'm going to ask you right now, have, have you ever heard of them? Because I had not heard of them. No, I mean, there have been noises about it on the Internet, but I don't know anything beyond what uh, Sydney's reporting now. I, you know, I go back to the numbers you reported at the beginning of the segment. The president was winning on Tuesday. Right. He's not winning now. And he's not winning now as a result of a process that the voters can't have confidence in, the state legislatures can't have confidence in, and in my view, the courts can't have confidence in. So the question is, are the courts going to undo what went on? I don't know. But the state legislatures in Georgia, Pennsylvania... Michigan, uh, Wisconsin, perhaps Arizona, they now have an opportunity to make a stand on behalf of the rule of law. Are they going to endorse what went on this week, or are they going to... Right. And the only thing we had wrong in that report, Sean, it's worse than we thought. I've been in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania the last three days. I want you to think about this. Over 100,000 provisional ballots, record number in the state of Pennsylvania, allowing votes to be counted after the election, contrary to state law, contrary, as Mark Levin pointed out, to the U.S. Constitution, allowing those votes to come in after Election Day. To not, to not be separated as, as was required and the basis of Judge Alito's decision tonight. Cured ballots, issue number four. Cured ballots, remedy ballots. Some counties allowed people to correct their ballot. Some counties did not. That is a, that is a direct contradiction to what happened in Bush v. Gore back in 2000 and directly on point. And finally, the fifth issue is the transparency issue that you brought up, Sean. You're allowed to be in there and to see, but they were keeping Dave Bossy and other people out of going in and looking at what was going on with the counting of the election. So this is the first time in American history where you have a party systematically set out to win an election after the election. And that's what they're doing. And it has to be stopped. It has to be stopped, just like Mark Levin said. Here is a video, once again, of vet ballots in a dumpster, ballots found in a trash and a wagon rolling into Detroit Vote Counting Center with just some ballots followed by Whitmer, how important election security is. Looks like one of those lockboxes. I wish I could tell.
think all the polling places were closed. And yet we have a box. Good morning, Governor. In 2016, Donald Trump won Michigan by 10,000 votes. Joe Biden leaves there by about 13 times that margin this morning. Reflect on where things stand. Well, that's right. And, you know, I was really so pleased to see how well our election was um, executed. It was a pretty drama-free day. Certainly there were some hiccups along the way, but we um, were able to get these votes counted, 5.1 million votes. And um, with Joe Biden ending the day with about 13 times the margin that Donald Trump had just four years ago, it feels a lot more decisive than, um, than what we're seeing play out in other states potentially. And so I'm, I'm really pleased that Michigan was able to do this. And I give incredible credit to our Secretary of State, Jocelyn Benson, and all the clerks and the 30,000 volunteers who worked this election all across the state. There have been protests, particularly in Detroit, which will show some video right now. People chanting, stop the count outside of a ballot counting center. What's your message to the protesters? What's your message to these people who are upset? And what message do you think should be coming from the top right now? Well, I think every one of us with a platform should be encouraging and educating the public that we count our votes. Votes that are cast before the close of the polls get counted. And we don't just stop because it's inconvenient or because one person has an agenda. We get the votes counted. The most important thing in, a, in an American election is that um, we decide our differences at the polls, and then we have a peaceful transfer of power, and it is the will of the people that decides the outcome of our elections, not a candidate, not a political party, and not protests. Um, and we've had a, a full and free and uh, pretty drama-free election, and I think that's an important uh, thing in this moment. There's a lot of heated there's a lot of heated um, political rhetoric. And one of the things is I talked to Joe Biden yesterday. He called me. He is focused on how do we heal this nation? How do we bring people together? How do we build bridges and uh, start the, the common ground um, that has been so severely lacking these last few years? He, of course, has not won yet. He recognizes that he's a humble person, but he's optimistic and, and as am I. And I think um, I'm hopeful that we can start that next chapter in this country because it's so sorely needed. What message do you think the American people sent in this election? If Joe Biden manages to win, that's unclear. Democrats still suffer losses in the House of Representatives and didn't do nearly as well in some areas as they thought. So how do you juxtapose maybe the mixed messaging coming from the American people? Well, I think we're a deeply divided nation. I think that the divide has grown over the last four years, and it is incumbent on all of us, people of goodwill on both sides of the aisle, to stake out common ground and to recognize uh, we are stronger when we are fighting together. We have a common enemy, and that enemy is COVID-19, and that enemy is getting the best of America right now. We need to rise to this challenge, and we need to rally to it together. This is a, a very serious moment in the nation where we had over 100,000 mm -hmm. new cases reported over the last day. Uh, these numbers continue to climb. And, and so we need to rally together for the sake of our economy and, frankly, for the sake of the health of 
of our fellow Americans. 100,000 new cases reported overnight, the highest day yet. When the dust settles on this election, the coronavirus reality will very much still be here. Thank you for pointing that out. Governor Whitmer, again, to the president, who has been saying and tweeting outlandish things, untrue things, about the counting in Michigan, what's your message? Do you worry that what he's doing could lead to violence? Well, there's no question that efforts to undermine the integrity of and the confidence in this election will have ramifications long past when all the numbers are finally in. And I think that's something that is anti-American, frankly, and that's why I'm hopeful that there are Republicans of goodwill who will stand up and take it on. We certainly have seen that um, to be the case in, in a number of instances, but we as the United States of America need to move forward together. We need a leader who can bring us together. And I think that's incumbent on every single one of us to do our part to achieve that goal. We're not going to agree on everything. We know that. We should have robust debate. We should have a vigorous dialogue. However, at the end of the day, we are all Americans. And this country rising to the challenges that we face benefits all of us. And we've got to, we've got to do that. And we've got to get there. Governor Gresham Whitmer of Michigan, thank you for being with us this morning. We appreciate your time. Thank you. Now, taken on face value, well, that's just spilled milk. It's not a lot of things. But here you have a Bucks County Board of Director and the mayor of Philadelphia. Just just listen to this. We've just got done going through the two garbage bags that we obtained from Bucks County Board of Elections out of the dumpster. Um, this is some of the uh, ballot paraphernalia that we've discovered. Um, you can see some signatures from some voters here. Um, some, looks like they, these ballots they spoiled on some of these. We have some pieces here. Um, a number of envelopes with signatures. A couple full ones, too. Some more down here. Just to reiterate, this does appear like an official ballot, and the rules were not followed correctly, right? That's what it looks like to me. Fair enough. What reason would someone have to not follow that process? Ignorance. Not knowing. Not understanding. Brand new law. So there's a detailed process in place. Yes. And this clearly shows that the process was not handled. Yes. The whoever was the judge of elections didn't do it correctly. The poll workers did not throw it in the garbage. Is it legal to throw it in the garbage? I do not know if it's legal to throw it in the garbage, but it should be sent back to us. And so we can have on to it for at least 22 months. Where does the spoiled ballot ultimately end up at the end of its life cycle? Uh, it will be stored for two years, and then it will be shredded. So if we can just kind of start over with the spoiled ballots as to what happens with them once they become spoiled. So they become spoiled and they're right spoiled on them and they're going into a spoiled bag um, that's kept in the warehouse after election day for a period of time. And I did talk to some, I believe it's three years that we have to um, hold on to them. And then nothing gets thrown out. I believe after the period, they get um, shredded, but I'm not 100% sure on that. A 
As we predicted, the voters and residents of Philadelphia ensured that our city shined as an example of how to run an election correctly. So in the days ahead, please remember, this is not about a, a victory for a single candidate or a single political party. This is truly a victory for our democracy. Our founding fathers who conceived this system just a 15-minute walk down the street, I know would be proud. 233 years after the Constitutional Convention, we stand at this convention center and proclaim the system still works, the people have spoken. I could then on top of this play all sorts of videos of people that were poll watching, showing people taking pens and pencils, ripping, shredding, throwing in garbage bags, the Biden-Harris mask, the BLM mask, and you say, well, that's not a whole lot. Well, let's, let's break it down. Jonathan Turley's policies called the election a huge mandate for Biden. That is a rather curious statement given our ongoing monitor of a razor-thin margin as well as loss of seats in the House and the apparent failure to retake the Senate. Megyn Kelly, Biden has a huge mandate, really? Dems lost seat when supposed to gain them in the chamber. Control of Senate saw DT win more votes than ever with minority groups that did not see the promised blue wave. Truth will prevail in January when gridlock settles in. Josh Hockley, if the last 24 hours have made anything clear, it's that we need new election integrity laws now. Ban ballot harvesting. Ensure poll watcher access and get rid of mail-in ballots. Understand, two Democrats charged with inflating Democratic votes in Philadelphia two months ago. A former judge of election, a Democratic committee person from South Philadelphia, Dominic DeMuro, pleaded guilty in March to accepting thousands of dollars in bribes to boost the vote total for Democratic candidates in 14, 15, and 16, according to the Department of Justice. That's why people who pay attention go, oh, well, when you don't let the electors come in, that's pretty fucking shady, and that makes me think something's going on, because we've already had it. And then you go to Molly Hemingway. Philly's long history of corruption include judge convicted of bribery to cast fraudulent ballots. Just six months ago, former Philadelphia judge, blah, blah, blah. Even as a member of the mainstream media largely dismissed concerns about possible voter fraud, they're ignoring Philadelphia's long history. Less than six months ago, blah, 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 blah. Um, DeMuro's crime, DeMuro further due to ballots, the defendant abused, DeMuro, 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 voting is cornerstone democracy. Myers convicted of bribery and conspiracy in the Afghan scandal and later expelled from Congress for accepting payments in the 80s. The payments are exchanged for promise to use official influence on immigration measures. After his conviction, Meyer was expelled from the House of Representative, the first member ever expelled since the Civil War. He served, served three years. Beyond electoral fraud, Philadelphia District Attorney Rufus Seth Williams in 2017 admitted, according to DOJ announcement, that he accepted tens of thousands of dollars worth of concealed bribe. That same year, Vice Media asked if Philadelphia is the most corrupt city in America in a lengthy article detailing the city of brotherly love's long history of corruption. In March, Philly Mag ran a piece 
the utterly ridiculous history of law-breaking and alleged law-breaking at Philly politicians, detailing 20 cases of apparent proven corruption. So you, you set the table with that, and then you start getting into the numbers, and that's the problem. Hans von Sparskowski, 120K straight vote dump for Biden is impossible. The only thing we did on election day was tell how many votes they needed on election night. And you see the pie graphs and everything. I play this, but it's rather long. Reports of public poll watch are being denied observation. Vote counting raises questions. Electoral misconduct, says Pesansky. It does raise concerns when you know that all the people that are working there are clearly Democrats. That's why it's so important that those places with state poll watching laws, all the campaigns and all the political parties are legally entitled to have poll watchers. For places like Detroit to chase out and not allow legally appointed poll watchers to watch them process these absentee ballots raises serious questions about possible misconduct. And then he goes into the numbers. And it's the same thing I'm saying over and over and over. You, That's not math. You can't have huge ballots dumped for one person and not other people. The video I showed you was in... Uh, Michigan of vet ballots. Military ballots found in a trash can in Pennsylvania. 70% Trump votes. Internet sleuths were using Michigan government website to check for dead voters. So the website was shut down. Now it's back up. And there's whole articles that people who were dead were voting Again, then you start looking at people that are statisticians. Kyle Becker, the election software system in Michigan has switched 6,000 votes from Trump to Biden. It's called Dominion. It is used in 30 states, including Nevada, Arizona, Minnesota, Michigan, Wisconsin, and Georgia, Pennsylvania, every single major swing state, every single one. Swing state voting irregularities. Biden outperforms senators in swing states, underperforms in VA, New Hampshire, Rhode Island. Biden underperforms Hillary Obama in cities except Michigan, Pennsylvania, Georgia, and Wisconsin. Biden mail-in dumps with 100% margins. GOP lose zero house races. Something is off. You then start getting into the people that are really deep with it, and I won't do it on the show. An analyst just ran the data from Allegheny using the Melbourne second-digit test with Trump versus Biden. The difference was significant. It just doesn't work. Biden's is fishy. Many significant deviations in Trump, only two deviations, but neither are over 5%. So as an example, if the total votes for Biden is 100 in a precinct, zero is the second digit. 
If the totals votes was 110, one for Biden and Allegheny abstain ballots, here are multiple significant deviations for Trump. None of the deviations. So they break it down. And with the software, which was made by Feinstein's fucking husband and Fusion GPS, remember, apparent glitches happened in Michigan, Georgia, Virginia, and Oklahoma County, Michigan, that were fixed. One of them gave Trump back the lead. Another gave Republican Adam Corkin to Furfer the win after he already lost. Michigan Antrim County flipped to a win for Donald Trump after an election software glitch was fixed today. Revised total now show that Trump won by an estimated 2,500 votes. And there are 47 other counties. An Oakland County, 15 County Commissioner District, a fixed computer glitch turned a losing Republican into a winner. A computer error led election officials in Oakland County to hand an upset victory Wednesday to Democrat only to switch it back the next day. And of course, none of this is being said out loud. The media won't cover it. They're even Fox. We haven't seen anything because they don't want him to lose. But the Bradford file, Joe Biden had 70, 74 million votes and Democrats did not flip one single state house, which means a ton of voters only filled out the top of the ticket. When does that happen, boys and girls? When have you ever heard that happening? People absentee ballot just for Biden. When have you ever heard, and taking it from the perspective, I I don't think anything is going to change. The election's over and I'm moving on. But I'm saying, when have you ever seen vote dumps of 100,000, 128,000, 138,000 in the dark of night between 3.30 and 4 o'clock when we stopped because of a broken pipe and because people were tired while everybody's sleeping and then you wake up and 6% is gone under the guise, well, we knew this was going to happen. Then you get Shylock Holmes, another statistician. Democrat votes started increasing massively relative to Republican after Tuesday night counts. That can't be accounted for by explanations like heavy Democrat wards reported later. When we look at the changes within wards, 96.6 of them favor the Democrats. Democrats also improved massively against third-party candidates, but Republicans and third-party candidates are similar to each other. Since there's little incentive to manipulate third-party counts, the big change is the Democrat votes not Republican. and down-ballot races, Democrat increases within each ward were larger than Democrat candidates were initially behind in the overall race on Tuesday night. Relatively more Democrats vote appeared in races where they were likely to alter the outcome. This result is easy to explain by fraud, but it's more complicated under other explanations like Democrats mostly vote by mail. Most theories predict all Democrat candidates should benefit equally within a ward, not that more votes came in exactly where they were needed. And that's why people think it's bullshit. Ward-level vote counts are from Milwaukee County Clerk at 7 p.m. I'm considering Presidential Congress, State Senate, and Assembly races. One way to look at the effect is to compare the percentage increase in votes for Republican candidate versus Democrat candidate within each award. 
Suppose the Democrat votes went to 200% from initial count Thursday night. How much did Republicans go up? If the distribution of votes before and after is the same, the percentage gain for each group should be similar, regardless of who was ahead. This is a difference from candidate totals and state changing as different reports came in. If the distribution is the same before and after roughly half the time, the Republicans would get unlucky in early votes and later improve their position, regardless, around half the time. Democrats will increase their votes by more. Instead, the Democrat candidate vote increased relative to the Republican candidate to crazy fraction of the time. The variable of increase in Democrat vote for that ward minus percent increase in Republican vote. So value above zero means the Democrat total went up more than Republican in the ward race. A value of 500 means the Democrats went up 500% in excess of the Republican, the Republican would only grow 100%. Out of 1,217 ward race combinations with non-missing early votes for both parties, 1,037 saw relative increases for Democrats, 37 saw relative increases for Republican, and 143 were ties. Excluding the ties, the D-win fraction here is 966 Depending on how you assign ties, if there were a 50-50 coin, D and R were equally likely to gain relative to the other. The probability for this between 10 and 147 in a number Excel just lists as zero. So this proves incontrovertibly that something about the count skew crazily towards the Democrat after 2 a.m. Wednesday, but it doesn't prove what it is. Maybe they counted different types of ballots or what have you. Which, once again, said it on the last one. And this goes on forever. I'm not going to read it. It's 34. He goes through every one of these. Statistically impossible for any of this to happen. Statistically impossible. It just doesn't happen without down ballot improvement. It just doesn't. And then you get stuff like this. Zoe Tillman. A Nevada federal judge is denying a request for an injunction. Nevada Republicans have sought trying to stop Clark County from using a machine to verify signatures of mail-in ballots and also won't enter an injunction altering observer access rules. A federal judge rejects an injunction in the GOP-touted lawsuit alleging shaky claim of voter irregularities. I don't think the plaintiffs have demonstrated a likelihood of success. Gordon finds the machine Clark County uses to verify signatures doesn't appear to conflict with Nevada law. Observer plaintiff not likely to succeed, arguing it was denied required access. Observing judges should avoid getting into the weeds of things like distance of volumes. And I'm back just in time to hear Judge Andrew Gordon announce his decision. He begins by repeating his earlier cite to Kavanaugh concurrence in Wisconsin case last month, strongly suggesting district judge should not interfere in state election. Do you think that was by accident he used Kavanaugh? He's a Democrat. Byron York, with a spotlight on GA, P-A-N-V-N-A-Z, You might wonder why it's going on with the only contested states Trump is leading in North Carolina. Why has it gone dark? 
After all state laws say all mail-in ballots postmarked by election must be received no later than three days after election. Unfortunately, that's just the law. The North Carolina Election Board overruled the legislator and decreed ballots postmarked by Election Day would be accepted until November 12th, although clearly unconstitutional. The Supreme Court declined to get involved. Now North Carolina has counted all the votes and has Trump is leading and is sitting around waiting for whatever ballots arrive the next three days. But, once again, from our frame of reference, if the Republicans were doing that, and changing law and doing unconstitutional, we're not going to check signatures, post dates, postmarks, none of that. Would that fly? We're talking about 71 million fucking people who didn't want Biden. And they're seeing that they just made up the rules so they could win. Richard Gannell, Nevada GOP, the movement, the, the moment Democrats passed AB4, Less than 100 days until Election Day, and Governor Solak signed the bill, <clears throat> the integrity of Nevada election was at risk. We warned what could happen as the state was not prepared to conduct a universal mail election. As Clark County prepared to conduct the election, they chose to use a machine to verify signatures and use an irresponsibly low standard, which is lower than the manufacturer recommended sending to verify. Then they mailed ballots to Clark voters on their unclean rolls. Anyone walking around this Las Vegas apartment complex could have come taken this ballot lying on the top of a trash bin, fill it out, and send it back to Clark County Election Department. A person at the apartment complex was afforded the same opportunity to cast a fraudulent vote through Clark County vulnerable system. Same goes for residents of the apartment complex. But it wasn't just trash bins full of ballots at the complex. They were also found strewn around the sidewalk. And there's pictures. And ballots were hanging on community mailboxes. These are just some of the instances of potential fraud that we're made aware of, and we know we're our, we know there are many more. We also have a count from far too many voters of receiving ballots for people that no longer live in the area. Clark County put the integrity of Nevada result at risk when they lowered the signature matching standards to almost nothing while mailing voters on their unclean rolls, and they mailed it to everybody. Grandstand. To me, this sounds intentional. Anything like this with days until election has a pre-planned notion to it. Adam Paul Laxett. The Democrats could have used our tested system of in-person voting with absentee mail voting for people worried about COVID. Absentee voting has far more security. The system would have given voters far more confidence and ensured only legal votes. Richard Grinnell. This massive mailing of ballots to addresses proved reckless. Shouldn't we take time to look at signatures matching and verify residency when so many ballots were sent old list? Look at these few pictures. Computer colonics. Speaking to news pundits and futile, they're pumping out the mandated message and they're fed the narrative and that's all. We needed an audit of processing machines and people all on this. There's people that aren't even Trumpers on this thread. Kimberly Strassel explains why Democrats have special obligation to welcome recounts. One, it is something to watch Democrats express shock that Republican voters just 
won't trust the ballot counting, especially because it was Democrats who set the stage for his lack of trust in the system. Remember, it was Hillary and the DNC that co-opted FBI to try to run out a duly elected president's last time. D's insist R's should trust the system. The FBI would never do anything bad. Until all the appalling details came out, it was one of the dirtiest political tricks in history. It was D's who, for months prior to Election Day, worked overtime to get court officials to override legislatures and change watered-down election law. They said that it was in the name of COVID, even as it was transparent to the political benefit. All of which is why D's have a special obligation to now welcome recounts, legal challenges. Maybe everything worked correctly. It is on the Trump campaign to prove otherwise. But now more than ever, it is important to go through the process, make sure we got it right, and reassure the public. Brian Betty, they set up an election chaos scenario to make the populist doubt election is actually part of a bigger strategy to stir up discord and get us at each other's throats. Another one, if you keep tweeting common sense like this, your enemies will mount exponentially, and so it will be important for leadership and your platform. You and the few patriotic peers you have now become the calm in the eye of the storm, but you'll get banned off Twitter. Then you have another article. Reporting issue in Georgia could significantly affect Biden lead. Georgia Secretary of State Brad Resvan for for. Fulton has discovered an issue involving reporting from their work on Friday. Officials are at State Farm Arena to rescan that work. I have a monitor and investigator on site. Also sent Department SOS as well to oversee the process to make sure the secure vote and protect all legal votes. Because there's been reports of mislabeled thumb drives uploading votes. Trump for Biden. Chinese Communist Party. I believe I won't treat nearly as much as in the past two years starting January 20th because I don't have to reply to Trump and Pompeo daily slander of China. I don't expect Biden and his future Secretary of State, whoever he she is, to be that type of lowlife. John Noonan. Well, Biden has a Chinese Communist Party's endorsement. This will tweet will certainly be useful in GOP ads next time. And R.C. Armstrong, the big guy. Make sure the big guy gets 10%. Once again, it's not going to change anything. The Supreme Court won't do anything unless there is watermark, unless there is... Some graphical evidence that this uh, domain program literally was dumping votes and switching them or doing funny business with them so that Biden would get more votes than he actually got. None of this is going to change. Why I'm covering it is once again, if the roles were reversed, the media would be losing their shit, especially since they spent the last year prepping that Trump was going to steal the election. 
And then Delta Force was going to have to get him out of office. Also, we were told that Biden was going to contest every fucking vote aggressively. That's what you told us. So, yeah. I don't think anything Trump said or done is inappropriate because they already said it. The media did. And that's what's the difference in our society now and why I get butthurt over it. Democrats don't have to say hateful shit. The media does it for them because the media are their proxy and their campaign. And if you doubt that, go back and rewind this podcast and listen to the reaction. Just look at Jake Tapper, one person. That's a journalist. And the long national nightmare bullshit. So, let's go to This Is America. These are the worst ones. Everybody's a fucking racist. And the GOP, Trumpers, non-progs are the enemy. And then we got some funny shit because, yeah... Kids were running up to mommy again, folks. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Don't catch you slipping now. Look what I'm whipping now. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. It's time for the worst soundbite. When the liberal media is pushing one of them agenda story and says, This is America in 2019. But I think it's very important when we look at the, the lower numbers for Latinos, you know, uh, Biden underperforming with Latinos, Biden underperforming with African-Americans. I think we also have to remember to put the focus in the right place, though. This is about white folks. This is about white people who saw a president who was corrupt and sexist and violent and mismanaged an entire pandemic that's killed over 230,000 people by the election. And they said, I want some more of that. So even if every single black person and every single Latino person had come out and said, hey, we're going to support Joe Biden, it wouldn't have been enough to overcome the number of white people who are okay with Trump and his mini version of Trumpism, which is DeSantis, who was also responsible for some of the voter suppression in the state, which kept black and Latino voters from getting to the polls. I, I want to come to you on what this election says to you about the conversation we have had day after day after day about the vastness of this president's um, sort of atrocities in terms of his disdain for the office he holds and the way he has um, treated people uh, who he views as not his people. Um, and, and often they are um, people, voiceless people, migrants that come here, asylum seekers that come here, um, African-American men and women calling for a racial reckoning. I mean, what does the election result say to you about the country's disposition around all those issues? Well, it says a couple of things. I mean, I mean one... Trump's reaction and saying that he's going to run to the Supreme Court, which is essentially the equivalent of like, I'm going to call the manager because I get what I wanted, um, shows his disdain for all people. Right. I mean, because we have to be clear, Donald Trump doesn't seem to like anybody. 
Uh, he may have a particular disdain for black people. He may have a particular disdain for, for children at the border. But remember, this is a guy who left his own supporters out in the middle of a tarmac and hopped on a plane. There is nobody who Donald Trump likes. I don't even think he likes his kids. So the, the contrast that we're seeing here is that America, by the slightest of disturbing margins, decided they wanted to pick someone who doesn't actively dislike the people who gave him the job. I am disturbed by the fact that not enough Americans made that decision. I'm disturbed by the fact that you have large numbers of people who are like, yeah, a guy who leaves people out in the cold and quarter of a million people die of COVID and harasses women and everything else like that. I want a little bit more of that, and I don't really know if I wanted the other guy. So this, this election actually shows me a lot of really disturbing things about this country racially, very disturbing things about this country from a gender standpoint. And I have to say this, because if Joe Biden becomes president of the United States, and I hope that he does, because he is not a dictator in the making, he seems to be a decent guy, I will immediately turn around my hat and be excruciatingly critical of him, because you cannot come into this White House with the idea that these people aren't the enemy. They are. The people chasing the Biden-Harris truck out of Texas, they are the enemies of democracy. The people right now attacking vote counters in Detroit, they are the enemy. Kyle Rittenhouse is the enemy. Mitch McConnell is the enemy. And if there's one thing that Democrats should have finally figured out in this campaign, you can't treat the Republican Party with kid gloves because they won't treat you that way. I hope Joe Biden just gave this speech to sound nice because everything isn't locked down yet. Maybe Senator Harris will have this idea should she become VP. But they have to go into this realizing they are in a war. The war for the soul of America will not end once he's inaugurated. And I hope he remembers that. Now, a close second on that, because some of those are rehashes. Had a conversation with some kids the other day, and one of them said, well, what do you think is going to be the biggest difference? I said, for you guys, one of you is going to be unemployed. Well, why? Well, there are two of you running this little tobacco beer shop that's connected to a, a wine liquor package store, as we call down here, and you both make $8 an hour, right? The one girl goes, I make eight fifty, and yeah, I make 8 well, when we go national $15 an hour, one is leaving because they're not going to go in here and attach that $15 to all these products because people won't buy it. So effective Biden, you're going to pay more taxes every month. You might, you're probably going to get them back, but you're going to pay more in your paycheck every month because he's getting rid of the tax plan and one is going to be unemployed because you're going to become a kiosk. She goes, well, my name's G, G, my name's Sharon or some shit. I go, well, your name now is Kiosk. Because she didn't know what I was saying, I guess. And I said, do you know why you see McDonald's with all the kiosk? Well, that's because liberal cities passed $15 an hour. They got rid of all their wait staff to take orders. They only have the drive-thru. And now they're doing it everywhere. Because just like Walmart, it I don't have to pay a motherfucker for self-checkout. It saves me man hours. And businesses aren't going to lose money for liberal feelings. Well, Rahm Emanuel, I guess, was being asked about this. And this cocky fucking faggot literally said, learn to code. And there's going to be people like a Jay-Z Penny and other retail. Those jobs aren't coming back. Give them the tools. Six months, you're going to become a computer coder. We'll pay for it. And you'll get millions of people to sign up for that. They are not going back to parts of the retail economy, and we need to give them a lifeline to what's the next chapter. You know, that just shows the left just has a, they have a playbook of things to say, because learning to code, it's just like lawyers. 
How many people are coding in the country, folks? My grandson fucking codes. Yeah, there's a list for that, too. And then we have this twat fucking lord. Oh, my God. I am I am so fucking sick of this shit. It, it, it is a level of sickness. I, I don't even... I don't even know how to articulate how I'm just so fucking done with tweets like this. And it's Ida Menzel, and she's saying, let it go, let it go, fucking let it go. Sorry, I had grandkids. And... Her tweet, which is taking forever to load because I wanted to read my reply. I fucked up and I I didn't copy my reply to her tweet because it was like, are you, are you fucking shitting me? What a relief. My son just hugged me and said, mommy, no more kids in cages. Tears of joy and tears of sadness. You know... If the legacy of Trump for, I'm not trying to beat him up today, but he's the only person defended this crazy shit, and he probably doesn't listen anyway, so we're good. But boss, about how uncouth and fucked up Trump's inappropriate and yada, 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 I won't take that away from this, all right? Trump was a byproduct of Obama sitting there with his nose up in the air telling everybody we're pieces of fucking shit over and over and over. So he came out, marketed better than Obama because he spent nothing in 16, used social media better than Obama, and that's really how, you know, I think, you know, if you're going to, well, I'll say it in a second. I was going to say, a you know, autopsy of this election uh, with social media. Um, But he was the pushback off of eight years. This bullshit, the fake lies from Charlottesville, he said those good people and every murders and rapists, and my kid said this. My three-year-old came in and said, is Ginsburg dead? I mean, Jesus freaking Christ, shut up. My reply to this twat, what a relief. Grandson ran up crying saying, America lost now. We are the social states of America. Won't be able to have free speech, own a gun, have no representation under one party rule, and no borders. $15 an hour wages, I'll never have a job. But Emmanuel said I can learn to code. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was my reply to that shit. Don Lem and some other stuff I put in here. I don't dare speak for my colleagues, but I can tell you how difficult it's been as a journalist to cover this dark part of history. Let's hope the attacks on journalists, journalism, everyone in. Time to move into the light. You've been attacking, not, it's just not Trump. It's it's just not Trump attacking journalism. Journalists have been losing their shit for four or five fucking years. And let's be honest, Don Lemon, you didn't have any viewers, you do now. I said, I'm non-Trump or independent here. What's scary is you believe this lie. Would respect media if they just were honest. You're PR for the DNC. We now will know nothing and get fed state media that you criticize Fox. But under Dems, it's democracy 
in the dark. Another one was NBC. People celebrate on Black Lives Matter Plaza across from the White House in Washington, D.C. after Joe Biden was projected as the winner of the 2020 U.S. presidential election. Mine. Trump didn't ruin the media standing. Media ruined the media with this COVID super spreader only for non-prog events, running the PR department for the DNC POTUS campaign, and five years of not only negative coverage for Trump, but all non-progs in America. It's irreversible damage. Because at no time do they talk about COVID in that. I haven't seen a COVID death count since day two. Frederick Joseph. This is more of the stuff we're going to be listening to. Knowing your children will one day be forced to read my book on anti-racism in school on your tax dollars makes me so happy. Somebody said to him, how many blacks kill whites and beat them up because they are white? The racism starts with them, not us, so grow up. People's reply to him. Ideas so wonderful that the state will have to force children to read them. You're planning to force children to read your book? Fascism tells you where it is when it's thinking. All you need to do is listen. Exhibit A. They are the fascist. Pro-Biden crowd dances at Philly Street as media social distance scolds enjoy the vacation. Amber Jameson, laugh my ass out loud. Philly is now dancing for Trump 2020 campaign song, YMCA. Caleb Hull, suddenly all concern about COVID-19 has been thrown out the window, and I haven't seen a single reporter refer to this as a super spreader. Reagan Battalion, good news, COVID's history. Uh, Relax, I didn't vote for the guy. Virus? What virus? Even Britt Hume spoke of it. On our next podcast, I'm going to read this because this guy was on Tucker. It was really good. Biden campaign knew the media fix was in. Great article. It's on real clear part of politics. Facebook adding more restrictions to election post. And I'm not even going to cover it. You cannot post anything right now. You can't post a single thing about this election on Facebook. They have deleted more accounts than I've ever seen. Blocked. I mean, there's been seven attempts to start a impeach site or a um, recount site on Facebook. And every one of the groups got to about 300 to 400,000 listeners or users were reported by the fascists on the left, and they were taken down. So that's probably a future that we're all going to live. And and by the way, I'm going to start the um, tweets of a day again, but I'm going to put it inside This Is America, and I think it's just going to be replies to the dumbest shit I saw, just so I can talk about how I replied. We're not political. ESPN shows partners partisanship and overly biased political series and as of this week another two to five hundred depending on what you want to believe of esp employees have been let go i only say that not in glee because i don't want anybody to lose their fucking job but when you really break it down they have gone so woke they're going broke during covid they just became another msnbc And then lastly, before we end on a positive, Daily Beast, the first article they released 
progressives ready to push Biden leftward immediately. That's the first article. But yes, yes, president-elect, we're not enemies. Even though through this whole show, it's clearly obvious your side thinks everybody who didn't vote for Trump is an enemy. To end on a positive, here is Greg Gutfeld's monologue. Thought it was pretty funny. It's less serious as mine. It's less doom and gloom. So let's try something positive. Well, the race has been called for Joe. Immediately, Trump supporters hit the street to wreak havoc. We have tape. What? Ah, you don't have tape? Okay. Well, over here, we have an enraged Trump family terrorizing a supermarket. Do we have tape for that? Well, they're not really terrorizing anybody, are they? All right. Uh, can we get a live shot of a Trump mob making its way to City Hall? Well, you know what? I guess we react differently when we don't get what we want. Take a look at this. Can you guess what that is? That's my apartment in New York City. You think it looks like that because we were worried what would happen if Trump lost? No. So, yeah, for Dems calling Trump or anyone a sore loser right now, that might be the worst case of historical blindness ever. Remember, we endured these hypocrites spending four years pushing a Russian collusion hoax, passing around a bogus dossier like a bong made of porn. They believed crappy memes by Russian bots helped Trump get 300 plus electoral votes. They pushed the fine people hoax and deemed Trump orange Hitler. So you think they wouldn't cheat against Hitler? I mean, they should, unless they like Hitler. They were wrong on so many things, from Covington to Smollett. They even said Biden had a landslide coming. So it's okay to be skeptical. But still, the news says he won, and you don't question the news. But the great news about being you is that politics won't affect your health, your love life, your family, your relationships with true friends or with your God. Ask yourself, would you give up any of those things to change the race? No, you're not a liberal. Politics isn't your life. Life is your life. Unlike this creep. Oh, man. Imagine being her. You can't. She's like many pathetic souls warped by the politics of hate. Her political choices have made her repulsive. This will never happen to us. You won't see us set fire to shops or spit on cops. You're good. We're all good. And things aren't that bad. So far, the Republicans may keep the Senate placing Joe under adult supervision, we hope. Sure, the left will pick at him like roadkill, but a Republican Senate means there might be some meat left on that phone. And Joe did say he will reach across the aisle and not just to grab your ass. He also said this tonight. It's time to put away the harsh rhetoric, lower the temperature, see each other again, listen to each other again, and to make progress 
We have to stop treating our opponents as our enemies. They are not our enemies. They are Americans. Yeah, I mean, that's that's really nice. But given that he did put millions of Americans at risk by calling them racist, I don't know. But it's not like Joe ever keeps the same stance for very long. He changes his mind more often than Liz Warren changes nationalities. Still, late night lap dogs are sad. They wanted a blowout to rub it in your face. They're not just sore losers, but sore winners. I'm very happy and relieved that we, it looks like we're finally sending this monster back to Mar-a-Lago. I'm also shocked that it was this close. It is unimaginable to me that close to half of American voters saw what this man has done to this country over the last four years. Half of us want to keep it going for four more years. I feel like I overestimated the American people. Well, the feelings likewise. It's sad it took 12 of his writers to write Americans are stupid. So the big question, what's Trump going to do now? He has two months left. Remember how much he packed into four years? Two months of Trump equals 12 terms of Joe. He could declare the next four years tax free. Open the doors to Area 51. We let the aliens in. Let's let them out. And weren't we supposed to buy Greenland? Make it a going away gift for Melania. Also, let's bring back Melrose Place. I miss Daphne Zuniga. And isn't it time to invade Portland? They're asking for it. Since Trump didn't start a single war, he kind of deserves this. And how about one last stimulus just for cops? So chin up, America. The fact is Trump as president was fun, but Trump as ex-pres, holy crap. Seriously, who's more interesting, Godzilla or Godzilla on vacation? He's going to be more fun than magic mushrooms in a bouncy castle. He's corn on the cob to Joe's strained peas. You can't get him out of your teeth. And the media won't be able to get enough of him after claiming they had enough of him. Given that they won't be doing any real journalism anyway, they've got to keep busy somehow. And Trump will keep them busy. He wasn't just a leader. He was us. He took aim at everything from a place of power that none of us had. Even in the establishment, he wasn't the establishment. He was real. Look at his first term, and it's only his first term, kids. First, he showed you that the media hates you. The phrase fake news divine the illusion of authority. It's our tear down this wall. Same with pollsters, those vote-suppressing hucksters who ask loaded questions, creating fake opinions that fit their narratives, predicting nothing. They got paid. We got screwed. But not anymore. From now on, when a pollster calls, remember the two words that would get you grounded as a child. It ain't thank you. It's close. We've also learned a crap load about government. Trump shared it all because he was an outsider on your side, not theirs. He'd tell you about the conversations, the petty grievances, the silliness of it all. And like a new boss, he asked questions no one else would. Why do we do that? Why don't we ask for more? Why is he still here? These were great questions which had great outcomes. He taught the difference between words and deeds. You could send out a mean tweet at 4 a.m., but he didn't send our boys to death in faraway lands. His words started fights. His deeds stopped wars. He was fun as hell. He captivated, holding your attention hostage. He's the first politician to turn politics into a friar's roast where no one was safe, including us. He was the love child of Don Rickles and Phyllis Diller. The late night comics lacked what he had, not just comic timing, but real truth buried in the things he said. And what they lacked in truth, they made up for in fear. Thanks, Trump. Let's not forget the Middle East peace plans, settling North Korea down like an unruly child. He made John Kerry and Hillary Clinton look like fools on their own turf. Then there were three Supreme Court justices and 200 federal justices. 
He expanded the Republican base to include the working class, which included the Democrats. I mean, included blacks and Hispanics, which the Democrats forgot. He showed us how delusional people get when overtaken by infantile emotion. Trump derangement had anchors setting their hair on fire every night. He showed America how little journalists cared for the principles of journalism and how much contempt they had for America. Thanks, Trump. So true to form, Trump will keep fighting. That's who he is, which is why millions voted for him. Trump exposed the media. He exposed the pollsters. He exposed the elites. He exposed the political system. Thanks to him, we finally saw things the way they really are. He removed the blindfold. For that, I thank you, Donald Trump. See you in 2024. As for VP, it's either me or Kanye. We'll flip for it. Period. Now to my closing remarks, even though we're over three hours. I alluded to it earlier, but I think what this destroys going forward in the autopsy is the left and the media realized in 2016, a non-prog utilized social media and got around the media. Trump could get his message out, whether you like the message or not. That was the only way he could really do it, because if you look at 16, we were facing the greatest candidate and most qualified ever who literally was elected in the media and on the left in 2013. This election, they blocked it completely. He didn't get out in the paper. He didn't get out on TV. He didn't get out on social media. They suppressed his message and made their own message for him while they amplified Biden's message. And why it's scary is if you think it's going to go back to normal because Trump's gone and it's going to be red versus blue and the media is going to go back to subtle bias, think again. Just like lockdowns taught Democrats how far they can push people and control them, the media now realizes, Google realizes, Twitter realizes, and Facebook realizes, we can make the election turn out like we want. And they will do it forever. If you question that, numerous times today you heard The Republicans are about to obstruct the forward-thinking, progressive Biden agenda, which was one-party rule. Numerous people have told me, have faith in the Republic. It's all going to work out. Well, for four years we were told democracy was over because of Trump. Thus, they went to, we're going to go to one-party rule. Nobody has overtly and articulately stated our agenda is to ensure we never lose power. Both parties have done it. That's what their intent has always been with their messaging or districting or polling as in taking in the votes. But nobody's just said it out loud. And at the same time, the media 
has never supported it, and they do. They're part of it. They want that plan. We played it on the last podcast. Numerous people, he won't be able to push forward his packing of the courts and filibuster and two new states and the Electoral College. Well, Electoral College was a stretch, but they won't be able to do that now. And that's scary. Because I have yet to find, well, I guess uh, other than that guy in the Circle K yelling at me, Anybody who thinks one party should be in charge of anything. I I haven't found anybody. That's an 18% policy. But your mainstream media, mainstream media, the Democratic Party, Google, and Facebook are for it. And that's a problem. Because we truly will lose America if that happens. It just will. One thing I missed, and I won't pick up next time, the media is a big loser of 2020. Uh, Washington Post article. Damn it, I can't remember who the hell wrote it. It was really good. I didn't get it in the show. But moving forward, I want to move on to other subjects so we won't revisit it. Which wraps up this episode of Flyover Politics Podcast. Please feel free to share it with family and friends. Send comments to F-O-P-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. Get the show on SoundCloud, Pocket Static, TuneIn Radio, iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, Down and Pocket Cast. Remember to check out the Twitter account at Fop Tony Reed. We will go with our next show uh, the 12th of November. Year. No, 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 no. Let's go the 11th. We'll go Veterans Day. And I'll do a military corner, which I haven't done in so long. It'll be fucking fantastic. Remember, disconnect from all your devices. Don't give the yeah, yes. Turn off the TV. If you didn't want Biden, it is going to be like they're trying to get that love fest like Obama again. And it's just going to be, oh, isn't this magnificent? America's spoken. Our national nightmare is gone. Doesn't he give great oration? Yeah. It's going to be a jerkathon from now until the end. And keep an eye on Fox News ratings. To show that conservatives were pissed, CNN won all the primetime demos since election night. There's a mass exodus. And now you'll be reading articles about how OWN, the Russian channel, has got great ratings. Because everybody's going to that Newsmax. I mean, there's some pissed off people. Me, I'm not watching any of that shit. I'll still watch Tucker. Tucker will be it. Tune in Wednesday, friends. Until then, stay safe. Go buy some guns. They're going to take that shit away. And stock up on toilet paper. Lockdowns are coming. Take care. Get up here, fat boy. Quickly, move it out. Move it out, pile. Move it out. You climb obstacles like old people fuck. You know that private pile. Get up here. You're too slow. Move it. Move it. Private pile. Whatever you do, don't fall down. That would break my fucking heart. Quickly, up and over. Up and over. Well, what in the fuck are you waiting for, private pile? 
Get up and over! Move it! Move it! Move it! Are you quitting on me? Well, are you? Then quit, you slimy fucking walrus fucking piece of shit! Get the fuck off of my obstacle! Get the fuck down off of my obstacle! Now! Move it! I'm gonna rip your balls off! So you cannot contaminate the rest of the world! I will motivate you, Private Pile, if it shark dicks every cannibal on the Congo! Thank you for listening to Flyover Politic Podcast. Please check out our Facebook page at FOP Podcast and Twitter account at FOP Tony Reed. Remember, it's a short ride. Make every day count. Thank you.